0: Sounds Familiar, a podcast where we discuss two pieces of media that share themes, plot points, or overarching ideas. Be sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram to keep up to date with our upload schedule, news, and discussions. Take your seat, grab your popcorn, and silence your cell phones now. Please enjoy the show. To sounds familiar. My I'm name's-
1: Stephanie, and I'm gonna steal it. I'm gonna steal the Declaration of Independence.
0: My name is Caleb, and when are we gonna get there? I'm hungry. This closet smells weird.
2: <laughs>
0: I'm Justin,
2: professor of archaeology, expert on the occult, and how does one say it? Obtainer of rare antiquities. Ah. Uh, <laughs> Justin's showing Mr. up. Mr. Jones. <laughs>
1: Oh, this one's gonna be fun. Do
0: you do you think Do you think Counting Crows' song "Mr. Jones" was about Indiana Jones? Probably not, right? It's
1: about Indiana Jones, but he's old and irrelevant. All <laughs> <laughs> right, Indiana Jones in
0: Five coming soon. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, they should just let Harrison Rip. Ford sit in the park and people watch. I...
1: <laughs> yeah. I... <laughs>
0: Let my man be. Either let him alone, or let him die in the plane crash of his choosing. Jesus
1: Christ! (laughs) Just yeah, just when he thinks he's out, they pull him right back in. I mean,
0: at this point, he probably like he it seems like he keeps trying to die in a plane crash, and it's just not working.
1: He's like the uncles in Secondhand Lions.
0: Oh God! He just really feels
1: like he needs to die in a plane crash. It just keeps not. But due
0: to some horrible curse, it (laughs) he can never die. (laughs)
1: Can never die. As long we as he's love in you, a Harris. plane, he can never be killed. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, my God. Okay, so we we have a fun one this week. Um, to, uh, today, this this week, this recording, we are talking about two uh, favorites of the group. Um, Indiana Jones, uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark, which...
0: Was originally just, just known as Raiders yeah. of the Lost Ark.
1: Just like uh, Star, Star Wars. Wars and New Hope was originally known as Star Wars. George Lucas is showing a little bit of a pattern here Something else we will get into uh, Anyway, uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark And National Treasure
0: uh, Personal The best favorite. movie of 2004
1: <laughs> I, I don't even care what, what went to the Oscars That was the best one
0: I, I can't yeah. tell
2: you specifically Anything else that came out in 2004 <laughs> Nope, I
0: can't
1: No Look, Batman I, Begins I was 05,
0: know. so what competition did it have?
1: I don't even know what happened in 2004 Like literally have no fucking clue um
0: Stephanie was homeschooled at the time so her uh her...
1: my awareness of time was just my it it all blurs together in a yeah. terrible little stew. Um but yeah, so the the adventure movie, the treasure hunting movie. Uh how would, how would you guys define these?
0: They are not products of but odes to a bygone era.
1: Go elaborate on
0: that. Raiders of the Lost Ark owes a lot to the pulp comics of the 30s and 40s, of Hmm. and the like radio serials, um, yeah, stuff like that. Much
1: like Star Wars, that really was a big inspiration for George Lucas.
0: Flash Gordon, etc., etc. So yeah, clearly that stuff did have a big influence on Lucas. Although he didn't direct this film, it's still a Lucasfilm production.
1: Uh yeah, I don't actually I I mean, I call myself a fan. I I don't actually know to what extent he was involved with it. I don't either. I think I think his name was listed under at least like the Executive script or the or story or something. Mm-hmm. Like he was involved in some way with 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 creating the story at the very least.
2: He has the story by credit with Philip Kaufman.
1: <clears throat> yeah. Um, and I think, I think that checks, like, I I think you can definitely see the similarities Mm -hmm. to Star Wars Mm -hmm. and like the Mm -hmm. common influences.
0: It feels, it also feels a little Casablanca-y, but you know, if Casablanca had actually like scenes where they punched the Nazis.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it is kind of that like World War II era, like, I don't want to say Orientalism because that has a really negative slant to it. But kind of that sort of globetrotty feeling. Literally, like the well, Middle East.
0: <sighs> it famously uses the, the the shots of a plane flying while like the dots follow across a map.
1: Yeah. Mm. Which oh. interestingly, I mean, National Treasure isn't a globetrotter, obviously, but it is a America trotter. It
0: feels like a globetrotter.
1: Right. It, it's it's going to different significant locations. It's like... the
0: America number one version of Indiana Jones. <laughs>
1: USA, USA. Right. Um...
0: It's it's t- <laughs> it's Indiana Jones Team America. Oh my god, you know?
1: <laughs> that sounds dark. I um, watch it. All right. So do we want to? Go ahead and get into experience. Right, let's uh, jump right into
0: uh, Raiders. Unless uh, Justin has something else he wants to say. before
2: we do that, I just want to point something out. Um, our last episode and this episode, we've talked about uh, four movies, three of which are from some of the most successful and important film franchises of all time: the MCU, Star Wars, and Indiana Jones. All four movies are owned by Disney now. <laughs> That is insane.
1: Oh, and National <laughs>
0: Treasure was always owned by Disney. Yes. Yeah, that's so
1: true. So all
0: four <laughs>
3: movies.
1: <laughs> that's That's bleak. That's pretty bleak, I got to say.
2: <laughs> Just let that sink in as we continue on this stream.
1: <laughs> we got to start doing more
0: I need
2: to
1: get I a don't...
0: Criterion yeah. uh, uh, subscription or something.
1: Hey, to be fair, a lot of the other movies that we have on the docket for this month are, are definitely not Disney Productions, or were not at the time of their Good. release. I
0: need to ex- expand my horizons.
1: Yeah, we really do. Uh,
0: I'm just sad I missed the yearly, uh, or twice yearly Criterion half-off sale. Ah, well, whose fault
1: well. is that, Kayla? Mine,
0: because I wasn't, I, I, I own one Criterion movie.
1: Uh, I don't even know, I don't i I didn't even know that was happening so yeah i am i am a bad film person um okay so so yeah experiences guys
0: raiders my parents own the first three indiana jones movies on vhs uh, before this last year when they got added to Netflix, they got taken off Netflix the day before I went to watch uh, Raiders. I oh, know. Um, uh, they were on there for like a solid year. Um, oh, was, that's ironic. It was the first time I had seen them since like elementary school. So I remembered very little. Literally the only thing I remembered was uh, the monkey brain soup scene from Temple of Doom.
1: That's a fun <laughs> thing to remember.
0: Um, yeah. Um so prior to this past year I didn't remember anything about Raiders. I don't know if I'd ever even seen it.
1: Um I have always been a big fan of these movies. I say always uh, since I was I don't know, maybe like preteen age. I I have this weird memory of like my family and I watching Raiders of the Lost Ark before we went to Disney World. Um,
0: like in the hotel room or like the, before you left, for like Orlando. before we
1: left to, to go there because it was something like we were going to go see the Indiana Jones show at what was at the time MGM ah, studios and my parents were like, let's just watch the movie. The parents were Like
0: you need to have context. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Or something like that, which I can definitely respect. I, I could see myself doing that. Um, and I was super into it. Um, I, yeah, I, I don't know. I, this is
0: another example of the things that Stephanie, like, loves and is super into, but I never would have predicted, like, this in <laughs> Jurassic Park.
1: Oh, right. No, I feel like those kind of are in the same category. No, of... I mean, they're
0: both Spielberg, yeah. also.
1: No, I, I was very into it. um I loved the vibe. Um, th- shortly after that, only a couple years later, I think, maybe a little more than that, we, we saw... Um, <laughs> uh, Kingdom of the Crystal Skull in theaters, which was, you know, uh, I liked it. (laughs) I mean, I was 14, but I really liked it. Um, I had a really big crush on Shia LaBeouf at the time. Um, so I was very into that aspect. Um, I thought Kate Blanchett as the villain was cool. I hadn't seen a lot of movies with lady villains at that point. Uh, so I thought, I don't know, I thought it was cool. Um, Yeah, and then a a few years after that, it wasn't until a few years after that that I saw The Temple of Doom and The Last Crusade. Um, I, you know, I I like them for being Indiana Jones movies, much in the way that I like every Star Wars movie for being a Star Wars movie. My feelings are not quite as loving as... Um, I do like, uh, The Last Crusade. That one's all right. I really don't love Temple of Doom. Um... I would
0: rather watch Kingdom of the Crystal Skull right. than Temple of Doom.
1: Apparently there's some, some contestation? Controversy? Something? <laughs> over <laughs> whether Temple of Doom or Kingdom of the Crystal Skull is the worst one. I think Temple of Doom is the worst one just because I think it's more annoying and, like, pointless. Uh... <laughs> I, I don't really like it, um... You know, obviously for me, it always comes down to this shit. I really don't like the one female character in the movie, or more specifically, I just don't like how she's written and, like, how they really hardcore lean into that whole, like, the person who's used to adventuring and the one who's a total diva about it trope. Like, ugh, it gets so old so fast. Um, Anyway, that's not why we're here. <laughs> 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 the the, the uh, short version of that is that I love all the Indiana Jones movies, including this one. Just <laughs> <laughs>
2: Uh so uh I I also uh love these movies, but uh it's it's a strange strange love. Um <laughs> I saw these once as a kid. Um my parents didn't own the VHS or anything, so I just kind you of got them from the movie like, gallery. I I like I caught them on TV like I think we did get them for movie gallery uh like at least one of them uh so I didn't re-watch these movies at all growing up until I had a job at fye and bought the uh box set aha uh-huh. um and I I the one, only one I really re-watch a lot is this one um temple of doom and last Crusade uh I like Last Crusade more. I do have a soft spot for Temple of Doom, just for how dark and weird it got. It, it, uh, that's
1: that's if that's true. Yes. If it has a strength, it is that. <laughs> uh,
2: it's about it's only one, but um, yeah. And I haven't even I haven't seen Crystal Skull. I just like missed it when it was oh, in theaters, and everyone, uh, everyone talked shit about it. So I was like, ah, I'm good. I'll just rewatch Raiders if I want. It's not as bad as <laughs> you've it's heard.
1: Not that bad. It's on like. I think Temple of Doom is the worst one. That you I already said that, we already know that, but it's like I just think Temple of Doom is so much cringier and like has a lot less going on for yeah. it than I, I get why people don't like Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. It it does feel a little maybe kind of boring at times. What?
0: Something just clicked in my brain that's never clicked before.
1: What's that?
0: <laughs> people bitch about Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, particularly because of aliens right the existence thereof yeah I... but but the finale the finale of Raiders <laughs> is is literally opening the Ark of the Covenant yeah. and like the angel of death coming out and killing Nazis okay, okay. like I <laughs> How is that any different than or any worse than aliens killing Nazis? All right. I,
1: I guess I could see how people would think of it as kind of a departure from the other stuff. Like if you think about the first three Indiana Jones movies, they are all kind of like weirdly like faith based. Like mm-hmm. they're all about a particular religion, like the Ark of the Covenant, like Judaism. Um, the what the Temple of Doom. I hope I'm not being offensive here. I don't know the name of the religion that's... Probably <laughs> a fake one. Or if it's even being real. Yeah. I don't, I don't
0: yeah,
1: <laughs> that.
3: <laughs>
0: um, oh, and then and Last then, Crusade, we have the literal, yeah, Christianity. actual... Um, Stephanie? Holy the Grail. Thank you. The Holy Grail. The yes. literal Holy Grail.
1: <laughs> right, and so all of those are kind of, like, based on religions, and then you have Last... Uh, Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, which is... The big reveal there is aliens, which I get how that could seem kind of weird. But on the other hand, if you if you understand aliens as a form of higher power, which they are presented as in mm-hmm. the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, they're presented as having this knowledge that, you know, uh, Irina Spalco wants to... Uh, get, because she what she wants more than anything else is knowledge, and at the end that's what kills her, is because she can't handle the amount of power that they have. So, since they have more power, that is sort of like being a deity, isn't it? Like, it they're or at least a more advanced society, so I don't think it's that much of a departure.
0: I'm just impressed by the fact that you remembered the villain's name. I
1: yes Caleb, <laughs> i did. I mean
0: excellent point but also
1: i mean arena spalco is a cool name so <laughs> to be
2: fair course, to be... <laughs> no, i'm uh i'm sure i'll get around to watching it uh, i'm probably gonna rewatch all of them before the fifth one comes out so
1: oh, i'll get God, to i it. forgot about that. when is so that rem- supposed to come out is that even is that filming yet
2: yeah no Sorry. there was all
0: sorts of is it like this year next year
2: I, I know it came out uh, at the same time all the Star Wars and MCU announcements but, came out a few weeks I, ago. I just but...
0: love how there was years and years of speculation over who the new Indy is going to be. And they're just like, no, we're just going to make Harrison Ford do it again. That
1: man is so old. Like,
0: He's ancient. Let him rest.
1: They're really going to make him drag himself <laughs> out there again.
0: It's
2: interesting because he seems to enjoy playing Indiana Jones in a way that he never enjoyed playing Han Solo.
1: That's so fascinating to me because if we're gonna be real, the characters aren't that different. Like, I mean, they are different, but they're not that different. He and would just rather be
2: punching Nazis than flying around in space, like.
1: <laughs> to I. Each mean, I own. mean, I guess so would I, but like. He okay, just has a not, for sci-fi, I, I guess. I don't. Yeah, it is a little weird, isn't it? It's like, how different could those roles possibly be, especially with similar like people in charge. Whatever, not my business. I'm not Harrison Ford.
0: We're here to talk about Raiders <laughs> of the Lost Ark. Yeah.
1: Mm. Okay, so so, uh, full disclosure, we did not take notes this time around, partially because we've seen these movies so many times, or I have seen these movies so many times. Uh, so this is going to be a little more suit of her pants. Um, so like I live, baby. <laughs> yeah. Or how Indiana Jones does everything. I mean, fittingly. So, um, I don't know. Uh, the movie, the plot. Do you want to kind of go through?
0: Like, hmm. this movie. Uh, I I like the length of the scenes in this movie, which is uh, feels like a strange thing to say on the surface. But, um, okay. With with one notable exception. Um,
1: go on. I will. No,
0: I'll get to that after I make my main point. Okay. This movie, and I'm going to chalk this up to Spielberg. This movie really lets every scene just fully play out. It doesn't feel like any of them are rushed. Um, we're not chugging through anything to get to the next scene or to get to more exposition. Um, we'll have a long or several minute long scenes of just people talking in an empty classroom. You know, um, I just I I really like the the, the pacing. Um, it doesn't feel in a rush to get to the end. It's just a steady chug. Um, the notable exception being, I think the fight on top of the plane goes on for way too long. Top on, fight on top. the one where the dude gets shredded up by the propeller oh. when like a around the plane. What,
1: what Justin?
2: Person? Oh, I just said
0: he becomes a person smoothie. Uh... Yes, <laughs> okay. I think that fight scene goes on for just too long. Yeah, it That's it was a little my silly. But it, eh.
1: <laughs> I don't that's funny to me. I. It seems I don't know. It seems like it fits to me. It doesn't really stand I'm not saying out. It doesn't.
0: I mean, it's it's a. The, no, I mean, to
1: mm. me, it doesn't really stand out as like oh. feeling particularly well, longer than anything it, else. I don't know, that's
0: just my feeling. It's just kind of like
2: I, I, I still like the scene. It's a net positive. But I'm like, how many times are we going to are we going to watch Harrison Ford get punched in the mouth? Yeah.
3: I
1: know. He Just gets punch, knocked down. lands on he his gets butt. gets back up again. <laughs> gets up, punch <laughs> in the mouth,
2: lands on his butt. Just like six times. You know, the wobble,
0: but they don't fall down. Yeah. Um, he gets knocked down, but he gets back up again.
2: Ah. Um, you're
0: never going to keep him down.
2: Cue Chumbawamba. <laughs> I'm not queuing
0: Chumbawamba.
1: <laughs> <laughs> we don't have the rights to, to that. Um.
0: Would, would we get sued by anarchists? I don't... <laughs> We'd get sued by their label. Never mind. That's, that's... they would come and thump our tubs. <laughs>
1: oh my god! I don't want my temp them to thank you. <laughs> if you know what and I mean. And we once. have a cold <laughs> open. <laughs> <laughs> um. Okay, so let's just kind of. Do you want to kind of just like sail through the story a little bit? Yeah, we'll sail through it, it.
0: Opening scene. Pretty good establishing you know the indie doesn't speak for a good long time Mm-mm.
3: i
1: had a thought about that if it, it's funny like it felt like it was introducing him the way you introduce a character that the audience already knows and loves and has seen in a bunch of other movies mm. like like have you ever seen like one of those movies where it kind of relies on the audience's understanding that this is a character they know and they're kind of waiting for the reveal yeah. that maybe like doesn't show them all the way I feel like that's a thing it, and it's funny to me that this movie does that even though at the time no one would have ever seen this character before
0: I think it feels very much like one of those pulp long running pulp series you know where you know who the hero is
1: yeah
2: right all mm-hmm. the like you're waiting on someone to show up like
0: yeah
1: right um,
0: which is a bold choice yeah. to make on your character's introduction.
1: I think yeah, and I think it pays off. I think it kind of like gives the character that sort of like uh, mythic quality, even when you are just first meeting them. Which which is uh, yeah, I think I think that works pretty well. Um, so uh, one thing about this opening scene, I have never been able to figure out how you're supposed to pronounce. Alfred Molina's character's name. Oh,
0: let's talk about that. Can we talk about that? Let's talk about that. Yeah, let's talk about Um, that. (laughs) I've been dying to talk about that with you. (laughs) Um, (laughs) So he says, he says, or Harrison Ford says the name one way, and the subtitles spell it a different way. Yeah, they say Sapipo,
1: and he says Sapito. sapito.
0: It carries over into the community episode where Abed has the rolling boulder, and it plays the audio clip, and the subtitle is still... The reverse right. of the audio. So
1: I don't... Is he just, like, mispronouncing this man's name? It's kind of disrespectful. I mean, IMDB like will
0: tell us the answer. I never... It never occurred to me to, like, actually look that up before.
1: It's so... It's weird. I, like, I don't know why he would say it like that.
2: I know. It bothers me, too. The the, like, the wiki has it as... Satipo. Satipo. Satipo.
1: Right, but he...
0: So he says it... I think Harrison Ford just says it wrong, and they're like, just we just... It? Let's just not do that again. It was I... just that, that, <laughs> Good enough take. All right, Harrison, you're good. Whatever, I know, let's move on.
1: That just doesn't sit right with me that he's like... I just feel like that's not something Indiana Jones would do because I think he has a right. certain baseline respect for, for other cultures. Yes. So I don't feel like he's the kind of character that would just, like, casually mispronounce this foreign man's name. Y-
0: yes. Well, it's like people looking at my last name and going, Mr... Sanchez
1: yeah I don't that's so weird to me I just don't care for that <laughs>
0: to Stephanie's point that's like one of the main
2: things that separates him from the villain in the movie right. that like he genuinely cares he's not just in it for the money also it's kind of interesting that uh, the most arguably the most iconic scene in a movie uh, is the opening you don't see that too too often but the scene in Raiders that is referenced the most is this opening sequence
0: yeah yeah Yep. Yeah.
1: That's true. That's a good it's point. It's the
0: there 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 are three key moments. There's the the swapping the idol for the bag of sand. Mm-hmm. There's the throw me the idol and the uh throw me the whip scene um <laughs> and the rolling boulder.
1: Yep. Yep. Interesting. Well, yeah, so
0: I mean, yeah, this movie did manage to become remarkably iconic. Um It did. Yeah. It, I, I, I would like to see a list of all the things that Raiders of the Lost Ark did first that other movies like, you know, t- took after. Yeah, okay. um,
2: it's hard watching uh, really any adventure movie uh, after Indiana Jones came out without feeling like it's some sort of an homage. Like I can't tell you something one to one in National Treasure that uh, they did that was Indiana Jones like directly inspired by Indiana Jones. Um, but that feel is all over that
1: spiritually. Movie. Yeah. It it's is like it, Indiana Jones. It, Indiana
0: Jones is like Die Hard, and that like it's or the Matrix, and that it's that movie that once you see it, you're like,
3: Oh, yeah, yeah. That's,
0: <laughs> that's what, what that, that thing yeah. is from. That's what all those movies are referencing.
1: Yes, I agree. Um, so after this scene, um, there's. Uh, There's that awkward sequence where he's
0: teaching the class, and that girl has uh, what did she have written on her eyelids? Love you. Love you. (laughs) <laughs> uh, what was that
1: the audacity of this bit. <laughs> i don't know i don't know who would do that like at least write it on the back of your hand or something so you can just like casually brush your hair away or something but like on your eyelids what? it's so
0: awkward like we're we're, we're we're implying that like he is a young attractive professor that all that like a lot of his students are into and then like that's it it's just like this one little joke and then we move on probably because you know harrison ford was he was one of the it boys at the time you know
1: it's just kind of funny because it's like the movie needed us to know that he's hot and it's like we, 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 we have we eyes we can yeah. see that he is sexy
0: we all saw Empire
1: <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs>
0: like <laughs> um I mean I'm assuming this came out Stephen and I were discussing which came out first this or Empire Strikes Back and we assumed Empire but I didn't actually look it up
1: I think it's Empire. I'm
0: on the case Justin's on the case so I'll keep talking while he's on the case hmm um, there's that nice oneer when he's uh, packing in his room, uh, like the the guy from the
1: yeah the, his the, friend the, whose name yeah, I always forget. Yeah, yeah,
0: he's like the dean or something. I don't know. Um, is talking to him. It's just this nice long take.
1: I wish I um, paid closer attention to that scene because I feel like there was a lot of pretty important dialogue there.
0: Probably that's why it was a oneer.
1: Like <laughs> I have the general idea of it, but I I'm trying to recall some specific lines that I can't quite.
0: Literally, all I remember was Indy saying, "I'll be careful," and then he throws a gun into his briefcase or into his suitcase. He's like, oh, we get <laughs> like it. whoa, he's Indy. America! Come on, look, <laughs> you—you yeah. you want me to believe that you're a responsible adventurer? You're out here only for the for searching for things to, to preserve them for future generations, but you're out here not practicing proper gun safety.
1: But Caleb, he's a cool, tough guy in the '80s. No. <laughs> he's not? I thought he was
0: No, either he's Speaking a responsible cool... <laughs>
2: adventurer or he's not <laughs> Speaking Justin. of cool tough guys in the 80s Empire Strikes Back came out May 21st, 1980 uh, Raiders came out June 12th, 1981 Ah, Wow, that's part... pretty
1: close together A good two
2: years know... for Harrison Ford I, know. I don't know why when I'm giving facts I talk like an old announcer <laughs> <laughs>
1: 1981. It's good
0: and you should keep doing it <laughs>
1: Yes. So, um yeah, very good time for Harrison Ford. Um kind of I'm sure ascending rapidly to sex symbol status as he should.
0: <laughs> let's talk about Marion for a second cuz we're about to meet her. Yeah, right? let's. Okay. <laughs> Speaking of
1: <laughs> Did that, did that sound more... <laughs> no,
0: that,
2: it wasn't Stephanie so much Shade, it, It's not so much the way you said it. The audience won't see this, but when she said, yes, let's, her eyes got real narrow. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I, I have, well, I, I have mixed feelings on this front. Go on, Caleb.
0: <laughs> it, continuing the tradition or the, the path that this movie is following of a story in situ, despite it being the first movie, we meet the love interest who has a, already has a history with the character. They've already been together and broken up. Um, so like Indy knows her and acts as if the, the audience does, I mean, they still drop little exposition throughout the rest of the movie because, you know, we don't know and we do need to be filled in. Um, but it's interesting that they did that because, you know, like national treasure does that in the second movie. Right, But like, you've
1: already seen the first Right, because
0: National Treasure wasn't bold enough to to start with, you already know Ben Gates.
2: <laughs> 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 you know it, this guy. You love this guy. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Well, it was Disney being like, let's ease them into Nick Cage. And
1: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> boy, do they ever. Um, yeah, there's also that super weird, uh, did you guys catch this? This super weird, like, just casual throwaway thing where they, like, imply that he was with her when she was like a teenager a minor yeah that was super weird because hey man
0: it's the 1930s no but
1: what i was gonna say was not even so much that it's problematic it's just weird that they would make it that because to me i don't know how old the actors are but the characters to me read as the same age Or very close in age. Uh, Like, they do not read as having an age gap to me, so it was weird to me that they felt like they had to put in that thing about her being a teenager when he got with her. Like, that was just, like, kind of unnecessary. I don't know.
2: I'm choosing to believe it was, like, 18, 19, and, like, mid to late 20s instead of, like, (sighs) guy in his 20s with, like, a (laughs) 15-year-old. I
1: read...
3: Oh Stephanie did research.
1: Interview. No, it was going around Twitter a little bit, unfortunately. Um, with like, I think George Lucas was one of them. I don't remember who the other one was. Maybe the Kaufman guy, saying something like about her being like fifteen or sixteen. So that was fun. And how old
2: was he? Yikes! Aronian cheese. I'm
1: not sure, but I'm assuming he was at the very least college aged.
0: Hey man, it was the 1930s.
1: No, but you the know, thing is, once of consent again, was, then, I'm not saying that we have to cancel Indiana Jones. I'm just saying that it seems like a weird detail to include hey, when there was no reason to include it.
0: Free love, man. You know, it was post-World anyway, War One. Anyway,
1: Caleb. <laughs> yeah, free love was such a thing in the 1930s. Uh,
0: in the 20s it was.
1: <laughs> but this I mean,
0: was, they didn't call it free love, but we all know. We've all seen The Great no, Gatsby.
1: All I'm saying is that I don't understand including this detail because to me the characters act like they're the same age. I mean, it's the same thing as how, like, canonically... I don't know if this was established at the time of filming the, the movies, but canonically, Han Solo is 10 years older than Princess Leia. Maybe 11. And I'm like, they read the same age to me. I don't know what yeah. the point of this you is.
0: Know, all jokes aside, it is weird starting a movie, like, having your main character meet their love interest slash former love interest with the implication being that he was a bit predatory in the past. She was like, I was a teenager. You were a grown man. You know what you were doing, and that's I didn't. That's the The script explicitly
1: weird. calls it out. Like, she explicitly says, I was a child. I was in love. And I'm like, this is never going to come up again. <laughs> so it's just like, at that point, why include it?
0: I just, it's, yes, it's weird. To imply right at the very beginning of the movie that hey this guy that you all know and love he's a predator.
1: <laughs> well, and it's weird because to me their their relationships seem so equal, and that's part of like the only reason that it works. Do you
0: know why? Part of the reason why it feels equal it's because Harrison Ford always plays slightly immature characters, so even if he even if there is an age gap, like she she is probably like matured up to or beyond his level.
1: But that's the thing. I don't feel like the character is meant to read as immature.
0: No, it's just I don't either. I think that's just a side effect of having Harrison Ford <laughs> at his maybe. Peak I don't play. know
1: emotionally immature, maybe or, or yes. like emotionally closed off. I just it's weird. I their relationship is like right on the border of what of me not liking it. It's like just enough that I'm like okay, you know what? this is this is fine. Um, I'm mostly okay with it. It's like Han and Leia. Like
0: I, I don't know. I kind of I do enjoy their relationship because I'm always a fan of like she's she is more or less on his level. Yeah, right. Like she is not a professor, but she is the daughter of his mentor. So mentally, she seems
1: like she's academically inclined. Right,
0: academically she's on his level. Adventure, you know, adventure wise, you know, preparedness or whatever, she is on his level. She literally yeah. owns a bar in the middle of nowhere.
1: That was another thing. Yeah. I would, was... <laughs> Justin, you were also. Gonna uh, say. I,
0: I
2: I think we are about to make about the same point, so I'll, I'll let you go.
1: <laughs> okay. Okay. Um. Yeah. Well. Okay. So what I was going to say was that i could never quite get a handle on how capable the movie wanted us to think that she is because like she kind of oscillates a little bit you know okay compare it to temple of doom which i've already bitched about a little bit like willie weird name for your sexy female love interest but anyway willie is just super hardcore the trope of like the shrieky doesn't know what she's doing fish out of water woman which i hate with a passion um but marion it almost feels like they're trying to mine her character for a little bit of that but also they want her to appear cool and capable and like she can drink any man under the table and she's like scrappy you know she's like grabbing a knife and hiding it like which those two things can exist but i feel like sometimes the movie can't quite decide which one they really want to lean towards Mm -hmm.
2: Justin? No, that's, that's exactly, uh, that's exactly what I was going to say is okay. <laughs> that her, when she's introduced, uh, I love her introductory scene. Yeah. Uh, she's like this badass and then pretty much instantly goes to damsel status. And then you get these little spikes of like, uh, her initial characterization, yeah. but for most of the movie it's it's damsel status and i don't i feel like give her a chance <laughs> <Yeah>. damn it <laughs> yeah.
0: no i'm not saying the movie didn't do her a little dirty cuz i mean <laughs> it was the 80s right yeah. and like uh, if
1: there was a woman they had to do her dirty right alien
0: <laughs> was the only movie that had the balls to you know not do the damsel
1: and that character is like completely sexless you know the, the right. she is it was, she is not damseled because she's not written as a woman it was famously
0: written gender neutral right um no, you're you're both right. I'm not going to say the movie didn't do her dirty, but I like the starting point.
1: Yes. And I yes. do like that she gets a lot of screen time like by herself, yes, which was kind she of does. interesting to me rewatching it this time. Like I always kind of knew it, but this time I was like, "Huh. She actually gets a, her own kind of little thing going on, right, which like, is fascinating." She, does
0: Leia get any screen time by herself? No. She's always with <laughs> Luke or with Han. Hope. Like yeah. I the, and and what is the only scene that she gets to herself in that is she's like playing off of Darth Vader? Oh, sorry. And there's the one where she's watching yeah. Alderaan get exploded. But like,
1: well, that's yeah. <laughs> that <laughs> right. Um, it's all just setting up plot type scenes. Um, it's not really about her as a character.
0: Right. She doesn't get to do anything yeah. or take care of anything.
1: I I really like Marion's scenes with Belloc or or her scene primarily. Like I like where how she drinks him
0: under the table. Yeah,
1: she's kind of. She reads this guy very quickly, and, like, you get the sense that she would have totally had a handle on the situation and been able to escape if, you know, the creepy German dude hadn't just showed up. But if it was just her and Belloc, she completely had him in the bag. Like, so, I, I appreciated that much, at least.
2: So, so I uh, I uh was clicking because I was like, I, I like Marion's character a lot, so I was clicking to make sure I wasn't misremembering that she's not in, um temple of doom or nope. last crusade no. and which it's not is really bullshit. explained
1: like if uh, it's explained it's like in a throwaway line
2: uh but when i clicked over to her page uh we do have an official answer on the uh the age difference between uh, the two fun uh, uh Indi- indiana jones is 10 years her senior I started dating when she
0: was 15. Oh,
2: my God. I was (laughs) feeling
1: 16
0: and 26, but... mm.
2: That
1: doesn't read to me at all. They do not seem like people who are 10 years apart in age. No offense to either of the actors, but they don't even look like they're 10 years apart in age. Like, that is such a weird choice. Okay, I'm sorry. I love George Lucas, but what is it with him and, like, the man being 10 years older than the woman? Like, what? That's (laughs) a thing. That is a completely unnecessary thing in both Star Wars and Indiana Jones. Um that's kind of weird. Uh, anyways.
0: <laughs> Let's not read any further into that.
2: I don't want to go yeah, digging nope. into George's personal life right now. I felt right like now. the audience needed to know that, so I didn't have to suffer
0: alone.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's super... I just don't think there was any reason for that. But anyway, moving on.
0: That's most of my thoughts on Marion. Yeah. I I, uh, I think this, the subplot with the evil monkey is weird because it goes... <laughs> all over the place like the monkey's (laughs) her friend then he snitches on them and the monkey's evil but then like the the monkey rats them out when like she's hiding in the basket but then like after they capture mary and like is having some drinks and the monkey's there like i it's
1: the monkey's uh, just a double agent i
0: I, the monkey was a red herring i'm i I think
1: i Uh, what's that
0: what's that community
2: line when you're Uh, scheming with everyone. You're not... Right. (laughs) You're just doing random crap. You're just doing random
0: crap, yeah. (laughs) Um, That's what it feels like to me, because, like, at first, I'm like, oh, that's a pretty fun little plot point. You know, she thinks the monkey's cute, and then it, like, goes and tells her master where they are somehow because the dude speaks monkey I, but then I, the monkey's just like back and forth they keep chilling with it and then he's evil and then like that you know whole sequence, and he's at the bar drinking it, with the monkey
1: and- okay speaking of which i'm i was wondering what the how should i put it like the narrative function of Marion's fake out death was like what Ooh. is the What's the point? Points right, they
0: put, they really pulled a Chewie...
1: Yeah, in, the, <laughs> in Rise of the, Skywalker. Chewie's death
0: in Rise of Skywalker oh with God. that one. I mean, the, the inverse. I guess Chewie's death in Rise of Skywalker pulled a Marion's death in Raiders.
1: Well, okay, if we look on, like, a meta level at the function of a fake-out death in a movie, I guess we, we could make an argument for the point of it being to see how a character reacts to someone they care about dying, and then... When that person comes back, seeing how their behavior is in relationship with that person is now altered. Uh, because now we can see how that relationship progresses because the second character is no longer dead. But I don't think that really happens.
0: No. In
2: this y- one. <laughs> uh, doesn't he literally just go, oh, thought you were dead?
0: I honestly don't remember.
2: Well,
1: he's a manly man, so the most reaction we can see to we can see him having to someone dying is getting drunk and being a little bit emo.
0: (laughs) Honestly, my main problem with the fake out is technical. Mm. It's the same reason I have a problem with the one in the Rise of Skywalker. And what's that? It's that it's to me it feels spiritually related to why like the mysteries in Sherlock aren't satisfying
3: Ooh.
0: so like in sherlock he is only able to figure stuff out based off of information that the audience can't possibly have mm. um yeah in this we are give, we are led to believe that indy is watching the dudes who are carrying marion the whole time like to the point that we even see them put a basket in the truck that we're supposed to believe marion is in and then he causes the truck to explode but there is uh, there is no point i It's, it's the fact that we're, there's not even like a hint of, oh, the dude's carrying Marion may have like wandered off a different direction. It's that there's, there's no out. It's we're led to believe like the entire time it's the audience is shown that we are following this basket with Marion in it. And then at a certain and the audience doesn't know when it is swapped with the one that she's not in. And then put in a truck. Yeah, I, it does I,
1: feel like a magic trick a little bit. Yes, I don't like a <laughs> fake out
0: that just feels like a magic trick where it's like surprise, she wasn't there actually. But we're not shown like where was the truck she was taken on. I, 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 were there? We were never shown another bunch of dudes carrying basket. The, 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 the dudes that look like that carrying two baskets. You know, I don't. I, <laughs> it bothers me. It's the technical <laughs> aspect of it.
2: I. I I think it's interesting because, um, the plot of National Treasure, I know we're not making comparisons just yet, but, uh, (laughs) this is appropriate. Uh, the plot of National Treasure lies heavily, uh, on him doing a fake-out with the prop declaration and the real declaration. So it really depends, like, a fake-out it depends on, uh, the stakes, whether it works or not. If it's something, like, fun, if it's, like, fun, like, oh, yeah, he, uh pulled one over on them, that's fine if it's like, this character might be dead, oh my god! Yeah,
0: okay, (laughs) I have two two thoughts there. One, I think you're right about the stakes point. Before I move on, continue my second thought, can I ask what moment you're talking about? Are you talking about when he gives, when, like, Ian's, or when he gives the fake declaration to, um, what's her name? Abigail. Abigail, before she's abducted by Ian's men, is that what you're talking about? I I mean, both of them, they happen so close together.
1: Okay. Yeah. I,
0: that still works for me, because you, so he has the, he has the tube within the tube, right? Mm -hmm. Um, so he has to pay for the declaration, he's got the the flimsy plastic tube inside, like, the nice leather one, and he gives one to Abigail, so she thinks she's got it. And while he still has, in his other hand, the other tube, you know? Um, so technically speaking, that still works for me. Because we as the audience, if you're paying close enough attention, you can see that Ben still has a tube. You don't know what's yeah, that's in it. Fair. Like that's Abigail fair, is definitely. tricked, and if you're not paying close attention, you believe the same thing Abigail does, which is what Ian also believes. That's why she got abducted, was because Ian's men believed that she had the declaration, which is why, you know, Ben had to go rescue her. So technically speaking, It still works for me because if you are paying close enough attention, you know you'll still see that Ben. Yes. You know could have possibly not given it away. That's a good
1: point. That's a good point. You can actually follow it if you want to. It
0: is still attempting to misdirect, but it is not outright. It is not being outright false. It is not saying what you are seeing is wrong or is not the real thing. And
1: for me, I'll it all comes down to kind of like what Justin was saying. I can excuse a lot of cinema sins crap in a movie if there is a point to it, mm. but I can't tell what the point is for yeah. the fake out death. So I, like, I don't feel like it brings them closer together. So, I mean, it, they do come closer together, but it doesn't feel like there was a hard switch after that.
0: Right. There's yeah. that once Sorry, Justin, do you remember what happens in the scene when he's drunk afterwards? Hmm. Stephanie remembers,
1: uh, Belloc right? Uh, they're in that bar,
0: and then something about the kids and the money. Yeah,
1: and and Indiana Jones basically is like ends up threatening him and stuff. But Belloc has a bunch of guys planted there. They point guns at him, but then uh, Sala sent his kids to go in there and save Indy because they're not going to shoot all a bunch of kids are in there.
0: I don't remember the 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 conversation well enough, but to me, I I would question. If um having her Andy believe she is dead would not is not functionally the same as having Andy believe that she has been taken by the bad guys.
2: Yeah, yeah because what is it what is his motivation there? Cause like saying leave us alone, I have your girlfriend, and stay away or else, like that's right. more powerful than being like, hey, we killed your girlfriend. Doesn't that just piss you off more so you want to come after us harder? Yeah.
1: <laughs> it kind of feels like it was engineered just so he could have, like, a low moment, which is fair. But, like, there are other ways he could have had that. Like, I guess that would have fit better. <laughs> Anyway, we... <laughs> I,
0: no, I would I would want to rewatch that scene immediately after you know, that scene in the bar before I critiqued this too much. That is
1: a good scene. but I do like that scene. It is. But I would still I qu-
0: question the narrative purpose of yeah. having him believe she is dead versus having him know that she has been kidnapped.
1: Uh, yeah, I feel like kidnapped would have been better. he still ends
0: up at the same location.
1: Right, yeah. <laughs>
0: looking for the Ark.
1: <laughs> exactly. Yeah, it's just... It's weird. Whatever. It... I do like that scene with him and Belloc because I I made a comment to to Caleb about this. Um, I could I could feel the I I could hear the George Lucas slipping out when Butlock is like, "I am but a shadow of you, Doctor Jones," or something like. You could easily become like me if you strayed off the the path of the light, or so. I'm paraphrasing, but I was like, "Okay, we Strike get it." Strike me Luke down, Skywalker. and I will become yeah. more powerful than
0: you could ever imagine.
1: Right. I mean, uh, you got to hand it to George Lucas. He loves his uh, his uh, I don't know his Jungian philosophy. His his Cambellian shit, uh, <laughs> all the stuff like you can you can the man see Man loves it. a
0: hero's journey. No,
1: I and good um, for him. I mean, Indiana Indiana Jones isn't really a hero. No, journey. he's a, he's
0: a pretty he's got a pretty flat arc as far as arcs go. Yeah,
1: interestingly, well, that is also something well, I was kind of thinking about. Uh, just <laughs> what you can say. While,
0: while we're
2: talking about it, there's this whole kind of manufactured discourse about this movie. Uh that was brought forth by the Big Bang Theory, which uh really? I have negative feelings towards. I apologize <laughs> to anyone in the audience no, who is into it. If you are, please let me know why. <laughs> <laughs> um Well,
1: so what was the discourse? But, I haven't heard of this. Uh
2: the discourse is that uh the plot of Raiders of the Lost Ark would be exactly the same without Indy. He doesn't do anything like the oh. nazis would have found the ark and the same outcome would have happened uh
3: but then i believe
2: there was a college that wrote a paper uh uh disputing that so can
1: you suck no, it Chuck india, is
0: ha- <laughs> india is the one who sorry stephanie
1: well, no, I mean, I was just going to say, like, can you tell me, like, the basic arg- would, arguments? For...
0: Yeah, uh, like, what did Big Bang Theory, it was just literally Big Bang Theory said, the movie is the same without Indy, and then, yeah, I, I really want to see This that is paper. something,
2: uh, this is something I literally, like, I skimmed through um, a few hours before we were recording. It's easy to look up. Um, I, I'm
0: interested to find that but link.
2: L- look up for yourself. Also, I was too harsh on you, Chuck Lorre. He gave me the Ninja Turtles theme song. I just don't like your sitcoms. What? Chuck
0: Lorre came <laughs> up with the Ninja Turtles theme song? Yeah, he, r- he wrote <laughs> the theme song for you, you uh, Ninja You mean Chuck Lorre L- of the Big Bang Theory fame also wrote Teenage be- Ninja Turtles, Teenage be- Ninja Teenage Turtles. <laughs> so,
1: anyway.
0: <laughs> wow, so imaginative. What I...
1: was, no, no, no. What was the refutation of the Hold argument? Up. So, we... what
0: is... Uh, I, I did not... Up.
1: No, 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 yeah, I did don't...
0: not. No, we don't have to. We don't
1: have to.
0: <sighs> Can you think of one? I would immediately, I would say Indy figured out the height of the pole. That's kind of a central point. It was that the the Nazis were working off of a false location because their pole was one something too long. Mm,
1: yeah. I guess.
0: Yeah, I yeah. I, I, I we'll didn't find
2: read that. the paper. We'll I was just like, oh, Big Bang Theory listener. said something.
1: It must I be disagree. wrong.
3: Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, they seem like the type to say some shit about why didn't they just fly to Mordor on the eagles? The, uh...
2: <laughs> Look, audience, forgive me. I was sick all last week. I feel much better. I've had a little too much mescal. That's power on through. <laughs> oh, we're drinking mezcal
3: now. Ooh.
0: Okay.
1: So, yeah. We
0: can move on. All right. I, Stephanie, Caleb, (laughs) could you consult the notes that I asked you to jot down earlier and read me the ones that specifically relate (laughs) to Raiders of the Lost Art? We
1: were walking our dog earlier and like trying to come up with discussion points.
0: Please relate to me ones that only relate to Raiders of the Lost Art.
1: Okay, so I have Indiana Jones and theme all the right. first one. that's
0: plenty for me to work off of you know okay. we love to
1: talk about theme on this podcast especially me uh
0: because <laughs> uh we actually um wrote our eighth grade book reports yeah um,
1: unlike certain game of thrones showrunners
0: um <laughs> you know what that's a lie i um
1: oh it's a lie you didn't write your book report no i
0: had a i uh, (laughs) a seventh grade uh reading class uh we we had a book report due at the end of the year i didn't do it i had a 25 f in the class but um guess what that uh reading teacher gave us a half point extra credit for every uh ar point for those of you who are our public school listeners with ar points um this teacher gave us a half point extra credit for every AR point over our goal with no cap, and I had, like, 700-something AR points, so I passed the class (laughs) doing zero work with a 125A, the maximum possible. Uh. Dude, I wish reading was still currency,
2: and talking about AR points, I am, like, salivating for some Pizza Hut.
1: Oh my god, my family did book it. Like, I was homeschooled even, and we still did book it, and I... Lived for those little booket personal pan pizzas. Oh, I still, yes. those are like oh, cracked to me still, just because of the condition. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like I, <laughs> the amount of books I read just so I could get that little at pizza, <laughs> peanut oh butter my and God. crack pizza. I, um, <laughs> like for, okay, what?
0: Okay, we're talking about theme here. Yeah, we're
1: quite. talking about theme. We're talking about theme.
0: Talking about theme. Okay, Indiana Jones or more correctly, Raiders of the Lost Ark, I would posit shares a problem that a lot of 80s blockbusters have. Mm. And that is, they do not have many themes. (laughs) They might propose a theme. They might bring up the idea of a theme. But then not really have an answer to that theme or have it be prominent throughout there's a reason
1: that i don't have a lot of favorite movies from the 80s and part of that is that everyone's going through collective like brain worms during that time period
0: oh god don't say god no stop my tryptophobia is acting up just at the (laughs) words um i no stop like okay it introduces the idea that Indy wants to um, pr- find artifacts to preserve them for future generations, so that people can study them and so that be- they can be kept in museums. But that's not really relevant to most of the movie, right? Um, like it tells us. Well, I mean that's that we- just
2: like hmm? that's just like Ghostbusters is about.
0: Yes, nothing. Ghostbusters. Let per- him. <laughs> proposes, Ghostbusters proposes yeah, was, a lot of ideas, it, but then it doesn't follow through on any of them, right, Justin? Sorry, just, you were lagging yeah, for were a second. That's why say? I kept talking. Oh uh, no,
2: I I purposely froze. That that was the bit. I keep forgetting that the audience can't see physical. Oh, yeah, we're comment. doing this.
1: We're doing this <laughs> on Discord like video chats, so
0: Right. No, yes, just like Ghostbusters, which we mentioned in our Halloween episode. Um, another thing like um the uh Indy not Indy, sorry, Belloc belloc wants to find things and then like sell them on the black market and get rich off of it that doesn't apply to the rest of the story because guess what he's not gonna sell the ark of the covenant on the black market
1: well okay i I, you know i if there's one thing i love it's to create theme where there isn't any (laughs) uh i would say that the themes okay like Indiana Jones values history in and of itself. Like, and that is explicitly called out. Like, Belloc specifically says that in what I consider the themiest <laughs> scene of the movie, um, which is where Indiana Jones is holding the fucking bazooka or whatever it is. And he's holding it and he's like, he says, like, let Marion go or I'll, sh- I'll shoot it. I'll, I'll destroy the ark. And you'll never get to see what's inside. And Belloc just is completely unfazed. And he's like, no, you won't. No, you're
0: right. He has a great, he has some great lines No, it's good.
1: Yeah, it's Mm -hmm. really good. It's like one of the best scenes in the movie. Because it, the dynamics are so fascinating because uh, uh, Indy is, he is higher than all the other characters. Like cinematic. Uh, cinematographically (laughs) cinematography (laughs) Uh, whatever the staging puts him above everyone else so it's like he has the upper hand and yet belloc takes it away with him with just a few words because he says you know he's trying to to threaten them but belloc just points out to him like i know you won't destroy this this piece of history because you you have too much respect for it you want to understand it you want to preserve it Like, and so you can't destroy it, even if it means, you know, saving the woman you love, even if it means like defeating your enemy, you can't do that. And that is like where I find this movie to be the most interesting because it actually kind of gets at some, some interesting character stuff, which unfortunately most of the movie kind of sidesteps. Um, because it kind of shows you that is what he values most above everything, which explains why he is so devoted to these missions that he goes on is because more than anything, he values that preservation of history and kind of almost that deification of these objects from the past that can, that can be preserved for our current culture. Which is interesting. Like I, I, think that's a great, interesting character trait for him to have, and I think it's the closest this movie comes to really having themes. Uh, that and you know the subsequent scene with with the Ark of the Covenant. Yeah. Um Sorry, Caleb. Do you, you looked like well, you were? Looking I was just looking up. up
0: the script to find Belloc quote from that scene. Do you mind if I read it real quick?
1: Yeah, go for it.
0: No, go for so it. So my, my my main thought during this scene was what the fuck is Indy's plan here? <laughs>
1: <Because> <laughs> much like Han have... Solo, he doesn't seem to have much of a plan at it. Right, at he time? rushes in
0: Blaster first. I've seen many other movies where it's just like, wait for your moment to strike. This was not Indy's moment to strike, <laughs> but he did anyway. <laughs> he literally just pops around the corner with a bazookas, like, I'm going to blow up the Ark of the Covenant. Yeah,
1: and Belloc's like, we both and think we'll do that.
0: Okay, Jones, you win. Blow it up. Yes, blow it up. Blow it. I'll start that over. <laughs> Okay, Jones, you win. Blow it up. Yes, blow it up. Blow it back to God. All your life has been spent in pursuit of archaeological relics. Inside the Ark are treasures beyond your wildest aspirations. You want to see it open as well as I. Indiana, we are simply passing through history. Mm. This, this is history. Mm. Do as you will.
1: (laughs) And he can't do it.
0: No, and he can't. that that moment has more theme than like the rest of the movie combined (laughs) so like
2: can we talk about how in most movies uh the best scene is when the hero and the villain are just having a conversation yes oh
1: yeah (laughs) that's when the theme comes out reliably every time that is when the theme comes out, because it's thesis, antithesis, and synthesis. That's why
0: the the scene where India's drunk and talking to Belloc in the bar is one yep. of the best in the movie. Yep.
1: Mm-hmm. Every
0: MCU movie from here on out should have the hero
2: and a villain in suits at a bar, <laughs> just having a talk before the big slugfest.
1: <laughs> exactly, exactly. Maybe that's why I love Enemies to Lovers so much, because mm. it's like the thesis and the antithesis. Mm.
3: Literally coming together
1: to form the synthesis.
3: (laughs) Um,
1: But no, no, I I totally agree. And I, like, as we've already discussed, this movie is not theme heavy, but there is some interesting stuff there that kind of, like, desperately claws its way to the surface. (laughs) Um, And so another thing that was interesting to me about this um, is that there's kind of a fascinating underdeveloped theme about like materialism versus faith mm. um, so Indiana Jones like pretty explicitly like I'm pretty sure he like just says it is not someone who believes in anything beyond the physical and the natural he's
0: very much A Han Solo. Exactly. Ain't no mystical force guiding my destiny. I'm
1: pretty sure there are literally some lines of his that I was listening to. I was like, this is just repurposed Han Solo dialogue because he says stuff about, like, mystical mumbo-jumbo or whatever. And I was just like, that's just Han Solo. Like, um, and and so I feel like there is a kernel of that going on in this movie, especially because, like, you know, Belloc and nazi german one and nazi german two are are all destroyed because they don't respect the power of the ark and and on a more you know on a meta a more metaphorical level they they don't respect um things that they don't understand they think they can control everything they think the world ought to belong to them um but it doesn't and you know that's what (laughs) ends up quite literally destroying them uh, so I feel like there was a little bit of that going on here. And, you know, at the end, it's like Indiana Jones knows that this happened, I'm assuming. I mean, he had his eyes closed, so maybe he doesn't know the extent of <laughs> it But he opened happened. them afterwards
0: and saw the Nazis were right, gone. Right. He
1: knows that something supernatural happened. And yet we, I don't know, we, we never see him grapple with this in any way. Nope. Uh, As far as I can tell, um, he- it would make more sense to me if he either, like, learned that there was more to the world than he can understand, um, (laughs) there is- there is more- in heaven and earth horatio than is dreamt of yeah. in your philosophy
0: no that that is um, a problem i have with it is... or
1: if he was just like he tried to hand wave it and was like um there's a scientific explanation
0: yeah no that is a problem that i have with it, is that he specifically mentions earlier in the movie that he doesn't believe in any of that mumbo jumbo and then the mumbo jumbo happens mm-hmm. and he treats it seriously but with then as vengeance. soon as it's over there's no grappling with it, there's no conversation, there's no addressing it. Which is why there's I no feel like I don't know if
1: I could call it a theme. It's it's like a plot thread, it's like an element that's there, but it doesn't feel like it's fully developed. What do you think, Justin?
2: Well, <laughs> I'm just thinking back to the scene before he even goes on the adventure and they're looking at that, uh, was it a painting or a tapestry or something? And they're like, what's that coming out of it? He's like, oh, it's lightning. So just like him being tied to the pole when they start opening it, and he sees light coming out of it, he's like, oh, shit, don't look at it. <laughs> so that's
1: the point. I didn't even notice it. He must have known that what was going to happen in that painting, or what happened in that painting, sorry, was going to happen. There. He was like,
2: I thought this was a metaphor. Nope. <laughs> Close yeah, your it's, real. it's literal.
1: <laughs> and, right, so it's... And it feels like, you know, since George Lucas is also behind this, you know, he also kind of grappled with those, like, faith versus materialism questions in Star Wars. Like, with Harrison Ford's character, Han Solo. (laughs) Like, um, so I don't know. I feel like there has to have been a purpose to that. It just doesn't feel fully fleshed out. Um, and, you know, like, we were also talking about how that kind of ends up being a recurring theme in this franchise. Like, in every Indiana Jones movie, the the villain is ultimately undone and destroyed because of their lack of respect for what they don't understand, for for what is beyond them, for the supernatural. But
0: they also wish to control.
1: Right. They want to control it. They want to gain something from it. So, you know, it's your pretty standard, like, greed is the undoing of the, the villain thing. But also, it's like... It's a lack of respect for, for the sacred, for the, uh, the, <laughs> I don't know, the supernatural. It's very, it seems very faith-based, weirdly enough, like, for, you know, <laughs> obviously these aren't, like, your Christian movies or whatever, but it, it feels oddly like every single villain is undone by not respecting a, a supernatural, like, deity or, or alien, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and thinking that they can simply use it for their own gain. I don't know. Like, that feels like a recurring theme, and yet it's never really fully It doesn't out. feel like
0: a, a core principle of, this yeah, seri- of the series. Yeah, it's weird. Of the, of the series. It's, it's weird. weird. You're right.
1: Maybe because the central character doesn't really engage with it. Like, the and most also, he ever engages with it is just being like, eh, I don't know about all that shit.
0: Right, and it's never grappled with. Right. It, it's just, it just is.
1: I don't know. I feel like this movie could have really used a character who was more the mouthpiece of like we shouldn't be messing with this kind of power.
0: Right. I was telling Stephanie earlier. I feel like that should have been Sala, like, and, and I he feel was like, like he I need, to, I need to find the the Ark of the Covenant, and Shala, and Sala should have been like, now my friend, <laughs> you know. You shouldn't. You know better. You should not be messing with with yeah. such things. You know they
1: needed like a really Catholic character <laughs> so they like uh, that,
3: Yeah, to be like I don't know
1: about that one, Chief. Um, and I feel like that's touched on, but not quite enough for my liking. I don't know. What do you think, Justin?
2: Uh, I have like a half baked thought here. I love half baked. Uh, it is. <laughs> it is interesting. Um, Talking about all this uh, lack of respect for culture, using uh, it as a weapon for your own gain. It is, like, interesting to see that happen specifically to Nazis in the first Mm. movie. I feel like something is being said there. I just can't put my finger on it. I mean, there is something,
0: there's a little bit of poetic justice about Nazis being destroyed by the Hebrew God.
1: Right. But
0: also, I feel like, It's not touched on enough. It's
1: incidental.
0: Yes, it feels incidental.
1: There is that moment where the, like, German general or whatever he is is like, I am not comfortable with With this, this, like, Hebrew ritual or something, and it's like, hmm, interesting. So it's like, (laughs) you know, obviously, the... like Caleb said, it is poetic justice that they're undone by that. I just don't know how much the movie knows that it's poetic justice, right? Um, but uh, but uh, you know that it is pretty great that the Nazis all get killed because they didn't understand, you know, the 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 Jewish religion, um, and so. Yeah, the, there's there's the beginnings of theme there. For yeah, sure. it's like
2: it's like it's it's the, a string is there. The sweater isn't made, but <laughs> the yarn is there. <laughs> yeah.
1: Did you see any other notes on there that you thought were worth bringing up, Caleb?
0: Uh, none that are specific to Indiana Jones. That's
1: true. We do have some stuff to talk about in regards to National Treasure
0: and in the comparison discussion. Yeah. Um. So I don't believe I have anything more to say about Indiana Jones at this point in time
1: no it it's it's fun i like it a lot we've bitched a lot about themes and stuff but i mean disregarding that it's a lot of fun and i like the action scenes are really well done they they always feel very yeah. grounded very visceral
0: it's a fun movie the scenes yeah. struggle on quite nicely it's uh every feel, everything serves a purpose um the MythBusters episodes of about Indiana Jones are quite nice. Those are fun. They're fun. Yes. Uh, did you know that kangaroo leather is the strongest leather in the world? I didn't. I mean, I, Kangaroo's I, I do. Oh, up, that's why man. I told you. It makes sense. But, uh, Justin. <laughs> no, uh, this is another example of
2: a series of films being classic for a reason and absolutely living up to it. If oh, for yeah. some reason you haven't watched Raiders,
3: oh, absolutely, pause us,
0: go watch it. right you know we 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 say this we we have critiques we have thoughts but Raiders of the Lost Ark is very much a must-watch classic
1: yeah my discussion here like our discussion here feels more like for people who have already seen it a million times if I was going to discuss it for someone who hadn't seen it I would just be like it slaps go watch it yes (laughs) (laughs) all this in-depth nitpicking shit is just for people who already know and love it
2: you bunch yes. of dorks we love you
1: yeah exactly <laughs> all right well um we'll take a quick break and we will be back to talk about national treasure parentheses 2004 oh yeah
2: <laughs> i'm a cat i'm a sexy cat
3: <laughs>
2: oh, <God. laughs> hi everyone justin here thank you so much for checking out our show You may notice some audio issues during these early episodes as we're recording them in separate locations during quarantine. It is our intention to record in person once it's safe, but for now, we work with what we have. Please follow the recommended guidelines, wear your masks, stay safe, and enjoy the rest of the episode.
0: Let's talk about... National Treasure. What? I don't know. It's one of our favorite feel-good movies. When I say our, I mean me and Stephanie. We
1: stand.
0: Oh, we stand. We stand. We stand. Oh, we stand. Um, much like Holes, (laughs) whenever I would go on road trips and I had to pick pick a bunch of movies to take, it was usually Holes, like League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, and National Treasure always made the cut.
1: Oh yeah, (laughs) the trifecta. Yes. I this has been a comfort movie for me for a long time now. Uh this is also a movie I saw when I was younger, not like a little kid, but bit younger. Um that I've always been a really big fan of and I can completely articulate why I'm hoping I might be able to kind of do that tonight. <laughs>
2: Yeah, uh, for me, this is a movie that I watched the shit out of from like ages twelve to fifteen, and then this was my first time coming back to it hmm. in over a decade. Really? Yeah. That's yeah. And boy, did I have a good time! We watch this like multiple times <laughs> a year, just because
0: it's just it's it's just good, clean
2: fun. It's just
1: a happy place. It's it's a comfort movie <laughs> through and through. Um. Yeah, I don't know. It's to like get you some popcorn to sit down yeah, and it's watch exciting. Nicolas Cage have a good it's time. it's funny. I it's, like Riley. I yeah. like Abigail. It, yeah. It's like it doesn't feel too Disney, but like just Disney enough.
2: It's a good popcorn movie in a way that we don't see much yes. anymore. Right. Now if you're like talking about popcorn movies, it's like a superhero epic. This is like, "Nah, I've got like a little over ninety minutes to kill. Let me sit down, enjoy something salty. It's two
0: hours and eleven minutes. <laughs> believe it or not. Um,
1: wow. Is it two hours yeah. and eleven minutes? Man, that's just wow. wise, though. <laughs>
0: um, oh, doesn't feel like it's it. Surprisingly long. Um, One hundred thirty-one minutes. Um, wow. I don't. Wow. And my mind spiritually like compartmentalizes this and Night at the Museum together. <laughs> I don't Come know. Come on, man! <laughs> I, no, no, no joke. Night at the Museum used to be one of my comfort movies.
1: I can, I guess. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I can. It's good, clean that. fun. I
0: loved it too at yeah. the
2: time. Yeah, it's
1: yeah. good, clean fun.
2: I enjoy. I haven't watched that one in a while.
0: I'm sure
2: we will get. to Oh, I hope it we do. Somehow, somehow. You know, <laughs> I'm,
0: I'm, I'm hit or miss on the sequels, but the original yeah, Night at no. the Museum, it's just good, clean family fun.
2: Um. <laughs> uh, <laughs> This movie is also notable for being the only film that Sean Bean survives. <laughs> you know, it's funny. This weekend, wow. St-
0: Stephanie and I watched uh, The Fellowship of the Ring. I bought Stephanie the um, Lord of the Rings extended edition trilogy on Blu-ray for Christmas. Yes, he did. Um, so watched The Fellowship. We watched... And then right after The Fellowship, we watched Raiders featuring...
1: John Rhys-Davies. John
0: Rhys-Davies. And then the, immediately after, we watched National Treasure featuring... Sean Bean. Mm-hmm.
1: That's true. Greatest hits. <laughs> Yeah, and um, no, he doesn't die. He is thoroughly defeated, but he does not die. So. Um, yeah, so, I don't know. Great. It's uh, Isn't it the same guy behind this who's behind Pirates of the Caribbean? I feel like you can kind of feel a little bit of that I, energy. I'm
0: pretty sure it's at least the same composer.
1: Jerry Bruckheimer, he's, he had something I don't know. I I don't Hold know on. if he directed Pirates of the Caribbean. Give me and one second. It. Okay.
0: National Treasure, director John Turtle Okay, I'm getting.
2: No, he did not direct.
0: Or director of Cool looks Runnings like he didn't have anything that.
2: To... Uh, Cool Runnings. You skipped over Three Ninjas, which is certainly a movie I used to love.
1: What? <laughs> I'm sorry that didn't show up on so his. So is Jerry Bruckheimer not involved in Pirates of the Caribbean? I think at he's all. like the
0: producer.
2: Okay, or
1: something. that. he
0: did the sorcerer's apprentice uh look if we're talking also nick cage i know also nick cage but like i swear from after holes every movie adaptation of like my favorite ya series or any ya series with the notable exception being the first hunger games movie just kind of sucked ass aragon sorcerer's apprentice inkheart I loved Please, all
1: can of we those talk dearly. about Aragon at some point on this podcast? God, I
0: don't want to kill
2: Please.
1: myself. Uh,
2: that'll be interesting, because I have never watched nor read
1: Uh Aragon, We were Aragon so. fans. Ugh. Both of us, incidentally. I was,
0: until I read the last book.
1: I still haven't read the last book.
0: No, actually, no. you're I'm right. I haven't read it. the last book either. I was a fan until I read Brisinger, and then I read it in a day, and then about a year later,
2: was I was like, so wow. I so excited
1: for Brisinger.
0: That book was shit. <laughs>
1: So excited. There then, was
2: not we're getting off yeah. topic, but there was not a single <laughs> YA series that I got into. Oh, that well, I was just, like, here too cool? Like, I read
0: almost all of them.
2: No. I was like, I was an extra dork. They were like, Don't you want to read Harry Potter? I was like, No, I'm too uh, busy reading Sherlock Holmes uh, and the sign of
0: four. <laughs> oh,
3: I can't believe I almost <laughs> forgot. Almost I mean. can't
0: believe I almost forgot Percy Jackson.
1: Oh, that. Yeah.
0: I read all of the Percy Jackson books and dear God. Oh my that god, we should talk about the Percy so Jackson bad. movie and the
1: Aragon movie.
0: Oh I don't want to kill bad myself, Bad adaptations.
1: Stephanie. I think it's a slam dunk. What about poor Inkheart? I think we're done here. Okay, Do maybe Inkheart then. I love the Inkheart
0: books so much and I love Brendan Fraser so much. The combination still. De- I love Sir Sharon. Was Sir Sharonin in it, or am I imagining that? Oh, she- City of Ember. She was in City of Ember, which I also read and loved, and that was also. Eh. I-, I. I'm sorry. I'm just reliving my painful <laughs> middle school years right now. I-, I I I begged my grandparents to take me to see Aragon, okay, and then I apologized afterwards. Oh.
1: Oh. That? that was like a Christmas
0: <laughs> present. We lived across the state. We lived like 900 miles away. My grandparents came down to visit. I asked them to take me to see Aragon and it was awful. And I felt bad.
3: <laughs> oh. oh,
0: buddy. Hey, let, let's talk about a
2: movie. Yeah, okay. They're, okay, they're okay, buddy. <laughs> let's get back
1: to talking about National movies. Let's treasure. talk about
0: a good movie.
1: <laughs> oh, that's funny. I'm sorry. That. They- you know what? Yeah, back to a good movie. <laughs> um, <laughs> love you, uh, National so, Treasure. Okay, first yeah.
0: off, the characters. <laughs> I like Ben Gates. I love Nick yep. Cage is playing a very right. lovable little scamp here. Yes. Um. And God, I love Riley. Yes. I've, yes. I've always loved Riley.
1: Yes. Right. The humor <laughs> aged so well.
0: It did because none of it was. You know, comedy is the first thing to age, but this is a Mm -hmm. Disney movie in the 2000s so they were careful about what they they were already trying to be careful, I guess, about what they made jokes about. But I don't know. There's something about Riley's humor that is just timeless. It's very PG
1: and it's not pop culture related. Yes, so it's very it's very transferable. You know, Mm -hmm, like mm -hmm. it it ages well. Um, if that makes sense, I guess. Uh...
0: Like from the beginning, he is. I've always just felt so close to Riley. Like just, uh, Justin once described me in three words. Uh, <laughs> the phone that I kept that note on is now dead. So I can only remember two of them. No. And two of those three words were snarky and particular. <laughs> and,
1: <laughs> Otherwise known as and, snarkticular. And
0: I don't remember what the third word was, but those two match Riley pretty well. Mm, mm-hmm. Um to make myself sound like a nicer person, I'm going to say the third was lovable. Yeah. <laughs> that was not it, but nice
2: try. Um,
3: <laughs> I know, it was meaner. <laughs> like, I love
0: uh, the when they're trying to figure out um, what the riddle means in the first scene, and um, one of sh- uh, Ian's henchmen says, Prison! <laughs> and Riley just says, like, Snorkel! <laughs> He's like, See, I can do it too. <laughs> We're just saying random
1: shit, though, yeah. Right, I think this movie needed a little bit of that audience self-insert character. Yes, because mm-hmm. so many of the characters are so nerdy, but in yes. like a well, Riley's nerdy, but some of the, the characters are so nerdy in a particular way that the audience probably doesn't have a lot of experience with.
0: Right, like the it's history like
1: nerds kind of thing.
0: It's like watching a movie about like chess geniuses. Yeah, but it focuses too heavily on the chess. Right, <laughs> right. like. Queen's Gambit, which is a fantastic series works because it doesn't focus on the chess. Right. The chess is just kind of incidental. Yeah. Even Even when there are chess matches happening, the camera isn't focusing on the board. It's focusing on the characters. Yes. This is like if we had a chess movie that focused too much on the, 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 the board but then like we also had someone on the side making snide <laughs> jokes for yeah. like all the people who didn't right. understand right. how the chess
1: works. Exactly. And I mean for that matter, I also like I also like Ben as a character, because, all right, I've been tr- trying to figure out how to put this to words, like, and maybe it's just the way that Nicolas Cage plays him, which, hey, I mean, good for him. It's like, it's somewhere between, like, he knows kind of that the shit he's saying is ridiculous. Like you always kind of have that awareness about the character that he knows that people think he's crazy, but he kind of just doesn't care. And he's going to do it anyway, which is
0: a perfect role for Nicolas Cage.
1: No, it is. And it's like, (laughs) it's, it's better to me than if he just wasn't aware that people thought he was kooky, which is the way a lot of those kinds of characters are. Like there's always that kind of awareness. Like you kind of see it in his face. It's like people think I'm on one Whatever you know, what I believe in it so much that I'm just gonna do it anyway.
0: Let's talk for a moment (laughs) about Indiana Jones and Benjamin Gates.
1: Yeah, interesting. Indiana Jones is nerdy in
0: a way that he just kind of calmly and coolly knows everything that's happening, right? Like he comes across some mysterious object, he's like, Oh, this is obviously blah 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 blah. Yeah, just a deadpan straight delivery. Ben is. He is a professor. Yes. Benjamin, <laughs> <the whole> <laughs> Benjamin Gates is the excitable nerd, right? Yes, he's he gets the,
1: very excited. He is the dude who is
0: he is very clearly passionate about what he's into. Mm-hmm. Like, when he's talking about um, treason, and he's like, oh, on my favorite part, have <laughs> their antrails ripped out and burned! <laughs> like... <laughs>
1: <laughs> he is a nerd, but
0: he, he's far more passionate than Indy is, and that right. that's that's far more attractive in, in an individual, yeah. right? Like, you're drawn to that type of person. I think he's more
1: fun to watch, like, as a character. Like, Indiana Jones is fun to watch because of the stuff he does, you know? Like, because he does cool stuff, and, like, he can fight, and, you know, he has surprising solutions to things. I think Ben is fun to watch just because of the way he is kind of like the way the way Nicolas Cage plays him I mean credit to my man So it's it's... it's
0: more relatable not just because we have Riley to be the everyman who doesn't know all of these random history facts that Ben knows but also because Ben himself is this huge excitable dork um yeah who who very clearly like he just has this passion
1: right and uh, see like I love this type of character. Like it's also why I'm so into like Milo from Atlantis. Like yes, I, that's exactly what he is. I know. I just love a nerdy male character who has to become a badass. Like there's something so sexy about that. You know, like
0: the... right, they're so excitable. <laughs> uh, I...
2: <laughs> uh, i I just love watching him uh fumble his way uh to badass to yes! like, when things first go south. Uh, inside of the ship and he lights the, uh, he lights the flare and, uh, Ian, it's just like, what happens when the flame goes out? He's like,
1: (laughs) I love that they have to improvise. And I mean, to be fair, Indiana Jones kind of does the same thing. Like you never get the sense that he really has a concrete plan, which I think is cool. I I don't know. I like that. It's very much that kind of diehard energy where it's just like, I'm kind of thrown in here and I just got to do some shit.
0: But I feel like you also do get the energy that he's been through this shit before. Yeah. Like, when the people on his journey to get the Golden Idol, like, when they betray him, you get the feeling that, like, he's been expecting it and he knows how to handle this. Right, right. Because, like, this happens all the time because Belloc is always, like, one step ahead of him. Mm-hmm. Um, With Ben, it really does feel like <laughs> he's yeah. never really been through this before.
1: Exactly.
0: Um, Like Justin said, he really is fumbling it- his way to badass him. <laughs>
2: not to bring up Sherlock Holmes for the third time, but uh, Indy and Belloc have a Sherlock Moriarty thing going on. Uh, Ben is just a dork who is in over his head for the first time.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Right. And so that's why it feels like, for him, it feels like a huge leap to steal the Declaration Declaration of Independence. Sorry, I'm slurring my words here. Um, Whereas for Indiana Jones... At first, it just kind of feels like another day in the life until things start getting really, really hairy. But for Ben, it's like you get the feeling that he's never done anything quite this insane before, but he's like, you know what? I've just got to do it. So...
0: You know what? <laughs> Speaking of that, that's a perfect point to just dive into my first.
3: Mm.
0: <sighs> I <sighs> Earlier today was the first time this thought had really concretely formed in my mind. Mm. Okay. So before I dive into it, want to say like it's interesting it's fun that from the beginning like the very first scene sorry the second scene um, because Christopher Plummer is leading our first scene um, which Stephanie and I didn't realize was Christopher Plummer I this finally viewing. looked
1: it up like I have spent years thinking this guy looks familiar and this time watching it I was like that's a Harlan a Harlan Thrombey looking motherfucker <laughs> that I was like wait <laughs> so I went and looked it up and I was like oh my god that's a Christopher Plummer I'm an idiot <laughs> anyways go on
3: the
0: thought being that in the scene where they're first riding their tractor plow things across the snow mm-hmm and Ben is like, "Oh, just thinking about the people who would traverse this uh, with dogs and sleds." <laughs> Being a nerd. And Ian is the only person who responds positively. He just goes, "Amazing." Like, you know, like he agrees with Ben. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. My first concrete negative thought has to do with the differences between Ian and Ben. Ben and Ian first they they have their major split over... uh, They realize they need to get... They need to have access to the Declaration of Independence. And Ian has no qualms about uh, acquiring it in questionable ways. And Ben says, no. I'm not going to let you do that, or I will not be a part of uh, stealing the Declaration of Independence. Okay. That is where we have our first fork in the path. But then... Maybe 10 minutes later, Ben decides he is going to have to steal the Declaration of Independence so that Ian can't steal it. Okay, the reason they split in the first place was because Ben was uncomfortable with stealing the Declaration of Independence, and so that puts them on different moral grounds, right? But now that Ben has also decided that he's going to steal the Declaration of Independence, they are on equal footing. What is their quarrel here? They, I, they should have, what it should have been was Ben said, I don't agree with your methods, but like, if we're going to do this, here's how we're going to do it. Because as soon, like, Ian gave no indication that he was going to destroy the Declaration of Independence, right? Because as long as Ben is on his side, Ian appears like he defers to Ben, right like whenever ben is trying to figure out stuff with riddles or being like we need to go here we need to preserve this or we need to find this specific item ian just says you know what ben you know best so we have no reason to believe that ian would destroy the declaration of independence so like i but i (laughs) just justin is having thoughts i'm not done but i'm gonna let justin interject no, So so that didn't,
2: I, I see the point you're making, but it didn't bother me as much because you have to keep in mind when Ben said he wasn't comfortable stealing the Declaration of Independence, Ian's first thing he does is pull a gun on the man. He's like, well, if you're not going to, if you're not going to join me, you got to go. So Ben eventually decides, well, if it's going to get stolen anyway, it might as well get stolen by someone who's going to take I will care ex- of it because he was not stealing it for his own gain.
0: He was stealing it to keep it out of the hands of someone I have two thoughts regarding that. One, uh, that is a very good counterpoint. If someone drew a gun on me when I said I wasn't going to work with them, I probably wouldn't work with them again, regardless (laughs) if our goals were the same. Two, as I mentioned, we have no reason to believe that Ian would destroy the document. Ian is the only one who is shown to have any reverence for history like Ben does. And also, like I mentioned, whenever Ben is working towards Ian's goals with him, Ian tends to defer to Ben.
1: Yeah, the the problem is that what the movie frames as the central conflict uh, as far as Ben not wanting to... as far as Ben wanting to keep it out of Ian's hands is not... The movie doesn't frame it as Ben thinks Ian's a bad person. Like, oh, he drew a gun on me. I don't want to work with him. And it doesn't frame it as Ben being like, I want the treasure. I don't want Ian to get it. It frames it as Ben not the much murkier concept of Ben not trusting Ian with the declaration of independence, almost like he knows Ian has a bad habit of like spilling Coke on paper or something. (laughs) And he just thinks that Ian's (laughs) going to like casually destroy it, which is not the vibe I get from Ian. No, it
0: doesn't make much sense to me now that I think about it. Right. It's just kind of like, we can't let Ian have this, which like, I, okay, let's assume we did have a situation where Ben was like, okay, I don't like it. But if we're going to steal the Declaration of Independence, we're going to do it my way.
1: Which would have been an interesting movie in and of itself.
0: It would have. So we do it Ben's way, but working with Ian. We steal the Declaration. The document is still preserved. We find the treasure. The only thing I see happening differently is that, like, they take the larger finder's fee. Because, you know, Ian had been financing the expedition up to this point and would want to recoup That's some of that prob- loss. That's Their so, goals like, are
1: I, not that different.
0: No, Ian never... It's not like a Belloc versus Indy thing where we know Belloc is going to steal things and just sell them on the black market, right? Like, Ian working with Ben, we know that he's probably accepted that a fair portion of it is just going to get, like, given to charity or given to museums or something. But we know we're still going to get rich. Like, it's not... Right. We're not going to lose all of this history in finding it just by working with Ian. Yeah. I... It,
1: That is, it is a little puzzling to me because it makes it seem like, whether intentionally or not, the whole conflict comes down to just he doesn't think Ian's going to be careful enough with this super important piece of paper. Which, I mean, to be fair, given the way he is, like, could be true. But
2: like, if he's that cavalier with human lives, he probably shouldn't
0: have a very delicate
1: maybe. And yet, it seems like he maybe (laughs) values the the historical artifacts more than he values human lives. But usually
0: right, like, oh, you're saying that one of my favorite scenes is at the very end when they're in the church and Ian and Ben are both looking at the... They're both using the bifocals to look at the back of the declaration. And Ben looks at it first and then just with no hesitation hands it to Ian, his enemy and rival, the guy he's been trying to keep this from the whole movie, he just says... You've got to see this,
1: right? And, it's interesting. And just you hands feel like there's it over. a camaraderie there, like despite the right. Enmity. He knows
0: that Ian isn't going to destroy it. Also, he's just overcome with the the emotion and the connection to history. That he's like, I don't care what our differences are. Yeah, you as another human being need to see this. That's right really now.
1: fascinating to me. Like, and which is why I kind of like their little dynamic because it feels like where whereas with like Indiana Jones and Belloc, it feels very much like they don't like each other. Like with with Ben and Ian, it almost feels like they are like brothers who are, like they're reluctant who enemies. Get angry at each other about like a bunch of shit, but they kind of like also have a bunch in common. It's interesting. It,
2: it, it and it's funny because it's like they're not they're not just like having a disagreement and then come together with their love of yeah. mutual like their mutual love for history. It's like one of them is a sane person. The other one's like, I will kidnap and murder
3: people. <laughs>
1: right. it's, it's odd. It's odd. And yet it it makes sense because it's like they're both kind of crazy about this stuff, but they go about it in very different ways. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> um,
2: Not- so flying. We just went through the entire yeah, plot pretty much. Th- we we have a
1: few other notes. It. Yeah. It's right there.
0: Yeah, no, so that was that was a main thought that I had that, that crystallized earlier that I never really had before, that once they, once, so they fork in the beginning, but then once Ben decides he's also going to steal the Declaration, I question, the, the, how are they so different as to, you know, be shooting at each other and it's kidnapping like each other? the movie didn't
1: have the balls to just be like, Ben wants the treasure, he doesn't want Ian to get it before him, because they were afraid that would make their, their heroes too unsympathetic or something.
3: Uh
2: does Ben ever Ben doesn't ever fire a shot or really commit any acts nope. of violence? No, I don't think so. Which is pretty cool. At all, doesn't it? I don't think he Admitted even throws like... a punch. Yeah. Nope. He tries to reason his way out of things and when that doesn't work, he uses mind mm-hmm. games, which is kind of cool. It is in a way. especially for the like...
1: protagonist of this kind of movie. Because it is kind of an action adventure type movie, you would expect the heroes to like have to to you know throw some punches. But Ben Riley nor Abigail like none of them really do that. They always they always manage to get out based on their wits alone, which is pretty cool. Um, you know, especially for a movie that is so action based and does have some kind of like perilous scenes. Um, It is pretty cool that, like, they're always able to stay one step ahead, like, even right up to the end, like, uh, when Ben and his dad are, like, yeah, know where the treasure room is going to be or where they strongly believe it will be. Um, So even while they were talking to Ian and he's pulling away and, like, Riley and Abigail think they're about to die, like, they're (laughs) like, okay, cool, we're just gonna starve to death down here, like... Ben and and his father are already thinking like, okay, it has to be like over here. Yeah.
0: We'll talk about Ben's father for a second. Mm. I like him as a character. I like how so they they show up at um at Ben's father's house, um after they've been almost caught stealing the Declaration of Independence. And his father has clearly given up on the the whole Gates family for his decades has for generations has been obsessed with finding the Templar treasure. Um, and his dad has clearly given up on it because he's lost so much in his life due to the chase. But as soon as um, they start trying to look for hints or clues um, on the back of the document that his dad doesn't know what the document is. He's just kind of hanging around. Yeah. You know, he's always uh, that's just. That's
1: a fun He scene. always just happens
0: to be in the doorway ready to like offer some advice. he's, like, making
1: commentary while they're, like.
0: <laughs> yep, he's, like, you need a reagent or you need some heat. Yep, or yep. He, he's 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 still itching to
1: yep. uh,
0: To be a part of the treasure hunting action.
1: Uh, yeah, I did like that. Man, uh, Justin.
0: This movie in holes, man. It really,
2: it, it just hurts my heart to see what happened to John Voight. <laughs>
1: I know, I know, because he is such a great character actor. Um, I mean, granted, he always plays a cantankerous old man, but, like, he plays it pretty well, unsurprisingly. He's
2: a lovable cantankerous old man.
1: Yeah, no, I actually really do like... Ben and his his dad's uh Thomas Gates, is that his name? Yes. Uh, relationship in these movies yeah. because they're always kind of like at odds and yet you always get the sense that like they both love this shit. They just like Ben it just is unabashed about it. He is committed to it, whereas his dad is like, Oh, the shit will ruin your life. Like he is
2: Patrick
0: Gates.
1: Patrick, who's Thomas
0: I was about to do my glasses push.
2: Okay, who's
1: Thomas Gates? What am I thinking of? Uh
0: either his great uh either his grandfather or his great 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 grandfather. Yeah, someone
1: else's name. Yes, Patrick Gates. It anyway. Um so I do really like their little dynamic and everything. It, it actually it very much seems like a true father son dynamic, like, Yeah. in so much as I can understand that kind uh, of thing. I,
0: I love the Is she pregnant? (laughs) Well, if she is, are you going to leave the father of your grandchild out in the cold?
1: I I like how he doesn't even say, like, no, dad, shut up. He's just like, well, if she was, logic, you know, like, duh. Uh,
2: That reminds... I I find the scene where... um, uh, ben and abigail are
0: in the uh, yes thank you for bringing that up uh, opposite of each other
2: talking that
0: scene is so (laughs) I, i love that scene i wish more movies would pull something akin to that scene we have our two main characters potential love interests both getting undressed a room apart while having a conversation it's
1: such a pg sexy scene yeah like it's such a great combination of like sexy and just like cute you know (laughs) <laughs> so mm-hmm. i do really like that one and yeah i really
2: i like the hmm. i guess i'll go uh <laughs> um i i like the specifically the my dad thinks i've been cavalier with my love life and she's like oh and he's like have you said i love you to someone yeah more than one person yeah then he thinks <laughs> uh, he would think you've been exactly. cavalier with
1: your love life Right. It already shows that his dad is like super old fashioned and kind of stodgy and like, (laughs) right. And, and also kind of, uh, it, it puts into perspective how his dad feels about the treasure hunting too. Like his dad very much wants a normal life and wants his kid's life to be normal. And Ben just isn't interested in that. Like, so, you know and also is kind of old fashioned like you know we're modern people we know that relationships can come and go but his dad is like no you have to have you have to tell one person i love you and you can't chase any treasure either like so yeah also
2: this movie absolutely did not have to throw the line uh i was happy to have your mother for as brief as i had her at us i was like jesus christ <laughs> Out of nowhere, and then they just move on. You're
1: right. It's I always forget about this because I, because I saw the um the the sequel pretty soon after I saw this one, like within the next couple of years. Well, because it came out only three years later, um. But it's like the the first one does actually kind of set all that up. Like, oh God, what yeah. happened there? Like, yeah. I'm
0: gonna interject here to talk about the second one for a second. Go for it. So the second one. Okay. It does. It doubles up on the uh, former lovers having to come together for a common goal aspect. So Raiders of the Lost Ark did that with the you know former lovers with Indian and Marion. Um, National Treasure Two does that with Ben and Abigail because movies don't know what to do with people who end up together at the end of the first movie. <laughs> Must have conflict. Uh, the response is always oh, they just didn't work out once the drama died down. They just actually weren't really meant for each other. (laughs) Um,
1: Yeah, and that sucks. And Ben and Abigail actually have a lot in common. Yeah. (laughs) And
0: and then in the second movie, we do that with Ben and Abigail, but also Also. with Ben's dad
1: (laughs) and
0: Ben's mom. And then... Th- those two get together, and it's it doubles down on like both of the former couples getting together, and it's actually kind of cute and yeah, satisfying. Yeah, I'm, I'm down
1: with that. I think it's sweet. Um,
0: yeah, I, I kind of like it.
1: Yeah, I actually do like the second one a lot. I don't really know what the consensus mm. is on it, but I enjoy mm. it. I, I like it.
0: I like the stuff with Ben's mom. I, it's
1: played by none other than Dame Helen Mirren. Right, for some reason no, they got her for this. She's movie. great. I love yeah. her
0: sassiness. She is a perfect counter to Patrick Gates. No, she's um, great. But I, so Justin, I have only seen
2: National Treasure two. But... Okay, <laughs>
0: I hate the villain. I mean, that's you're supposed to not idea. like him for most of the movie. <laughs> But also just (laughs) story-wise, I hate him. Because at the very end, when, like, he sacrifices himself... So he has been nothing but a dick the entire movie, trying Mm -hmm. to smear uh, uh, Benjamin's family name the entire time. And then after they discover the City of Gold, he sacrifices himself to save everyone else and is like, tell them I found it! And then Ben, like, gives credit for the find to him.
2: Yeah, because he's
1: a nice guy! No!
0: Fuck that guy! (laughs) <laughs> it's
2: that's that's ed harris yes. yeah. right? That's the fill in on the second one okay. there are a few he,
0: people better at playing a perfectly
2: he hateable plays villain a
1: very good hateable villain
2: no a fantastic actor yes hate him in most everything he plays that
1: very, but that's no, a compliment <laughs> to me he has that kind of john goodman energy where he plays that very like kind of american uh hateable villain that yeah. feels like someone you would actually know like really republican energy mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um <laughs> uh, watches
0: a lot of history channel yeah probably owns yeah a metal detector.
1: exactly it's like just folksy enough that he feels familiar but in like a really really hateable villainous way oh yeah definitely we know that we know that guy which is why it hits so hard But, I mean, I don't know. I mean, he seemed also like a character that, no, I haven't seen it in a couple years, so my memory's a little foggy about the details, but he was also a character who really cared about his history, so I feel like he was not meant to be entirely unsympathetic.
0: Yeah, he did, but, like, his whole point was that, like, the Gates family are actually a bunch of douchebags and bad guys and shouldn't be celebrated as heroes, and I'm going to spend my entire life to prove why that is so...
1: Like I said, I don't really remember the details.
2: Uh, speaking of the Gates yes. family, if you want to see a surprisingly elaborate family tree, <laughs> go to the National Treasure wiki. Oh my really? god, they have a they have a family tree for the Gates family that goes back to 15. I would actually god. be interested
0: in viewing that because when we were watching the movie, I was questioning the timeline um, because Christopher Plummer says that his great great grandfather was entrusted with the secret from Charles Carroll. And I was just thinking, that timeline seems awfully close for...
1: I'm sorry, with all the research these writers did, I just find it hard to believe that they didn't, like, put any thought into that.
0: I'm not saying they didn't, I'm just saying the timeline is a little tight there for a great-great-grandfather of a dude who was potentially born in, like, the early
1: 1900s. Yes, I, I guess so
0: but you know i will say it, it, caleb has a
2: point <laughs> because before it gets i why am i doing this deep dive uh,
1: <laughs> this movie was made for deep so dives. before
2: uh, before thomas samuel gates there's this like elaborate tree but linking thomas samuel gates to that elaborate tree there is a block that says unknown justin
0: please tell me <laughs> what is so the birthday date of thomas samuel gates uh seventeen twenty two. What?
1: Seventeen twenty-two? So the it the interaction just took place sooner than you thought it did. No, I thought the interaction t-
2: Oh wait, no, wait, no, 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 hold on, hold on, hold on. There is there is a second Thomas Gates, that is eighteen sixty five, is when he died with no birthday. Died no birth Okay,
0: thank you. Because it was eighteen like it was like eighteen thirty six when Charles Carroll showed the secret with Thomas Gates.
3: Sure.
0: <sighs> when was his son born? Anyway, Please, you don't check have to answer anymore. Just tell me uh, when Thomas Gates' son was born. Uh,
2: there is a. <laughs> There's a. Again. Oh, no, no, no. Okay, okay. Wow, dyslexic. <laughs> There's no death date on Charles Carroll Gates. There's a birth date, uh, which is 1856.
0: Tom- Char- Thomas Gates named his son Charles Carroll. After the dude who told him the secret of the yeah. Templar
2: treasure? I mean,
1: that man gave him a bunch of money. Or <laughs> symbolically gave yeah. him a bunch of money. <laughs>
2: then, then there is John oh Adams Gates, Patrick Henry oh. Gates, and Benjamin wow.
0: Franklin Gates. His <laughs> middle name is Fr- Benjamin... Of course his name is Benjamin Franklin yeah, Gates. Yeah, they
1: say it. Benjamin Franklin Gates.
0: I... Oh my god. I, this... This this Gates family tree is bringing me so much joy.
1: <laughs> sparking a lot of joy it, it is um
0: i'm going to keep it in my life
1: no i know i love how how kooky they all are and how they're also obsessed <laughs> with like american history specifically i love it it's great
0: it that's a good segue to, this movie is a this movie is probably the only brand of americana that i won't say the only but it is a particular a brand of Americana that I can, like, buy into.
1: Yes.
0: It's, like, it's very much the Hamilton kind.
1: This and movie makes just me like, feel more patriotic than literally anything Right. Else. It's
0: just, like, whoa, America! The Great Experiment! Oh. It's amazing! It worked <laughs> for as long as it
2: did!
3: Yeah! <laughs> I,
0: I, so this
2: movie, uh, when I was young, I had access to the internet. Uh, and... This movie got me, like, low-key into, like, the fun conspiracy <laughs> theories, and then that stopped oh. real fast when it started getting into, like, it's all I the Conspiracy <laughs> theories are fun
1: until you get into the anti-Semitism and the CIA it's, actually killing
2: people. Yeah, you hit... Yeah, anti Semitism. Yeah. You hit a point, point. it's like, this is fun and interesting, and then, I bet there is a bunch of secrets. Oh my goodness. And then it's like, oh, oh no. Oh, no.
0: oh, oh, you're all
2: yeah.
1: racist. Anti Semitism oh, is God. like the Kevin
0: Bacon <laughs> of conspiracy theories. Oh, my
1: God. <laughs> Six <laughs> degrees of anti de- Semitism. Yes. Uh, yeah. Precisely, Stephanie. Oh, Thank
0: my you. Oh, God. That's exactly what I was going for. Uh, <laughs>
1: <laughs> anti-semitism never produced anything as good as tremors though no
0: <laughs> <laughs> we... those are two great can
1: quotes can we cut <laughs> that can we cut that <laughs> <laughs> it's
0: a milestone and you're quoting yourself
1: god. you're right we've reached that point now it's, oh my god uh, okay well point being taking that a I breath mean, here conspiracy theories are mostly racist no and shitty, it's funny so.
0: that in the second movie Riley ends up writing a book about conspiracy theories
1: that's right. like, that's he a, does. they run
0: out of money from the find because they only took half of one percent and asses. so Riley Riley writes a bunch of books and then it's like relevant okay I know we keep going back to rise uh, to National Treasure 2, but I love that moment when he's like, It's in my book. And like, Did none of, of his friends it? that he sent his co- free copy of his book to, like, none of them have even opened it. He's
1: like, <laughs> <laughs> okay, but sorry, I don't believe that. I believe Ben would have definitely read that. Like, it seems like exactly the kind of no, thing he would be no, into. You're right. You're right. You're it right. doesn't make sense to me that he wouldn't read it.
0: Yeah, that's weirdly disrespectful.
2: Come on. To, Like, that's his, his best bud. friend.
1: Like, what? <laughs>
0: Right, to, to the guy that he gives, he gives credit for the find to the entire Gates family and to Mr. Riley Poole.
1: Yeah, I, come on.
2: Also, also, like, listen, I know, Ben, you have a big thing for America, but when the government says, hey, you want a bunch of money?
1: You never no. say no. That it would be anti-capitalist to say. Could have no. had a bigger house. Yeah. I
0: just okay. I love Harvey Keitel as Sadusky.
1: Yeah. So he this is, is the only movie I've fun. seen Harvey Keitel in. It turns out.
2: Yeah, me too. Oh. I, I. Interesting. Well, he's he's great and everything. So. I just
1: haven't seen a lot of movies from the era in which he was making a lot of movies. I remember thinking he was That's so fair. cool when I was a kid watching it and then it and then like later on I found out Harvey Keitel was actually famous it was in a bunch of stuff and I was yep. like what
0: they give him some great one-liners in this
1: oh he's great he's like, I just love he's the, really how funny. about now yeah he's so <laughs> sassy I love it and this could have been a really bland role the like FBI Absolutely. agent whatever but he he brings mm. a great energy is, to he, it. is he an
0: agent or is he that like the head
1: oh he he's up there I don't really know what his thing
0: is but yeah um i think the they call J. him agent Hoover. sadusky but clearly he's a senior agent because yeah. he's working on the theft of the declaration of independence
1: right right no um, he, he's really good i
0: he, they play him really well i like how this movie is surprisingly subtle throughout and that like his interactions with ben are always a little ambiguous and then it's not until the very last moment that we see he's wearing a freemason's ring so well. yeah, no right. a, a, a so. lesser movie would have been would have dropped that way earlier, but like we hold on to that the yeah. entire time. he clearly he wants to solve this, right? He has a job to do and he's going to do his job. But also he is able to see nuance
1: mm-hmm.
0: you know, mm-hmm. um, which a lot of times the characters in these roles famously only see black and white. Um, I, I
1: always love that mm-hmm. little kind of like subtrope. Uh, that exists, like in these kind of movies, where it's like the the FBI agent or police officer, or whoever, actually ends up like being an ally to the person who's outside yeah. the law because they like have something in common or they recognize the good that that person's trying to do.
0: And that's necessary for this movie.
1: Yes, like if he just threw the book at him no that's work. no fun like i right. part of
0: the part of the fun of this movie is the conclusion and that it's so satisfying to like they find the treasure they come back up to the surface and there's that just great moment where ben just hands the declaration back to sandusky yeah. back to sadusky and he's like you just handed over your only bargaining chip and he says the declaration of independence isn't a bargaining right. chip
1: it's not about that for him
0: which again this movie is one of the very, like, the very narrow margin of Americana that I'll buy into, and you're like, yes. you're damn right, the Declaration yes. of Independence. is <laughs> Catch me
1: being defensive about the Declaration of Independence for no reason, just because of this movie.
0: Right, and the and then the only thing he says is, I would really, 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 really. We- love not to go to jail <laughs> I cannot express how much I would love to know. someone's gotta yeah, go to jail exactly. Mr. <laughs> do you have a helicopter
1: I, um. I think I could help with that I know I love that entire exchange because it, it just illustrates their the circumstances of their characters so well right like, it's, like, Ben, the whole thing for him is not about, like, the money and everything. It's just, like, at the end of the day, his big thing is, like, well, I am glad that I found this. And also, I would love not to go to prison. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I just...
0: The script is so fun. And the casting is so great. Like, you can tell everyone is having a great time.
1: Yeah, no. uh
2: uh-huh.
1: Sorry, Justin, Justin you look like have you something? were going to say something.
0: No,
2: I... Uh, something just clicked in my head. Is it ever addressed how the Masons
0: lost track of their own
3: great class. treasure? I, did,
0: I don't think they lost track of it. They hid it intentionally because they, quote, believed yeah. that the treasure was too great for any one man to possess. Um, So I, it was intentionally hidden. In.
2: So it's it's been speech to Sadusky that, like, uh, makes them go public with it instead of keeping it a secret, where he's like,
0: it needs to go to the hmm. Smithsonian blue. Yeah. Right, well, I would question whether or not Sadusky even knew the location of it. Because, you know, if I were a secret organization and I hid my treasure, I would hide it and then, like, probably make it so that, like, the only way people even within the organization could find it would be to follow all of the clues.
2: I agree, but you would think a high-ranking... Uh, official in the FBI would qualify <laughs> for knowing where. <laughs> anyway, um, let's not get into Mason's structure, because I We're have talking no about idea. Or, an
3: organization
0: that predates the FBI by centuries. Mm, All right?
1: Even, <laughs> yeah, sure. Um. Anyway. <laughs> so, <laughs> well, we're not even, like, attempting to go through the plot here. Let's,
0: Let's discuss Abigail. We discussed Abigail. Marion, so let's I discuss love Abigail. This I love bitch. her. Yes, I love her so much. Love,
1: mm-hmm. oh my God, the way that that she was one of my. You know, you talk about your gay awakenings <laughs> as a kid. For me, one hundred percent Abigail Chase. Like, I don't know. It, she just, her, was it she the has, sassiness?
0: It was yes, the accent? No. It's the
1: accent. The way she's like, she has this really piercing look Dutch? all the time. <laughs> Saxony German. Like, yeah. <laughs> She always has this really, like, knowing look. Like, her eyes she kind does. of narrow like that. It's the sexiest I love, I love, I love the, <laughs> I
0: think it starts with, like, yes. the slight negging from her. And the, yes. like, and the very first scene with her, when Ben is talking about her, um, George Washington, um, uh, election pens yeah whatever he's like oh I see you're missing the whatever whatever I was lucky to find one once and she goes that's very fortunate for you like she's like talking to a child and then
1: later she's (laughs) like did Bigfoot take it like (laughs) uh, kills Uh, me I love love her and like in the
2: have it, none of it the
1: party scene where she's like immediately on to him yeah she's exactly. like, oh, she is so astute no. right and then how she's like it's it's funny because like when she joins up with Ben and Riley it's like a reverse hostage situation mm-hmm. like they're mm-hmm. like can you please just go and she's like no I'm not leaving <laughs> like because you have the <laughs> declaration so I'm going with you so it's like instead of them making her come with them she makes herself right go you know that
0: them. is interesting how that plays out that it ends up she is essentially a hostage but then it like flips it and right. gives her the power right. in the situation and they're she's like, like i'm is, just gonna
1: follow you fools around because i don't trust right. you she's like
0: you shouldn't have told me where you were going if you didn't exactly. want me to come with you
1: <laughs> It's great. so now
0: they have no choice but to take her because otherwise she can tell the fbi where they
2: are
1: exactly and i'm your goddamn partner and i mean I- <laughs> what does just-
2: until the rug, until the rug is pulled out from under them, with uh, the bad guys having Ben's father, the reason why they have the upper hand later in the movie is because yeah. of Abigail. It was her plan that was like saving no, their you're asses, right? Right. Love and her. so
1: that's why she she feels like a pretty essential piece to the story, which is good. Like <laughs> yeah,
0: as well, she's not just there as like an accessory,
1: right? Which is why I kind of like. I said to Caleb earlier, I think of this as like their dynamic is kind of like the evolution of the Indian Marian thing where it's like they hadn't quite figured it out yet. And they were like, we want our female lead to be capable, but also we're still kind of (laughs) sexist. I'm kidding, but you know what I mean. Playfully
2: sexist.
1: (laughs) But it's like. I, yeah, I really like what she adds to the group in this one. Like, uh, I'm very glad there's none of that, like, oh, I'm such a diva and I don't like having to be on this adventure thing. It's just all. Right. She, she feels very. Uh, Adaptive. Yes, to she it. does.
0: She she's she is in it from from the word go. Right. Like they show up at her father's house, and she is she is right. She's like, you know what? If we're gonna have to do this to the decoration, at least let me do it. I'll exactly. I'll freaking do it. And then like right. you know the when what Justin? Uh,
2: can we talk about the sexual tension when they blow? Oh. <laughs> on the
1: paper.
0: <laughs> well, we're going to need more juice. We're going to need more heat.
1: Right, the way they like look at each other for a second. <laughs> it's great. I love the fact of like sexual tension because of old ass documents. Like it's hilarious, but oh, also awesome. well character. Look as far as like don't can't
0: yeah. shame me. Precisely. As far as like different kinds of sexual attention between characters go yes, two characters ser- sharing sexual attention over discovering a secret hidden code on the back of an of a <laughs> of a sacred document like come on well, and that's
1: what's fun about it is the fact that like they come from like opposite sides quote-unquote because like she you she know came from
0: the legitimate
1: right and he is outside the law whatever but like they have that shared thing in common where they like they really care about this stuff to the point where it's kind of nerdy Yes, so, that's, that's exactly
0: what it is. He yeah. literally sends her George Washington's yeah, freaking inaugural what pin. Yeah,
1: her, her like that's her like, Imagine like, that being the basis of your relationship. Like, you sent them a George oh, Washington Oh, well, he
0: pin. came to me with a conspiracy theory, <laughs> and I said no, but then he sent me George Washington's <laughs> inaugural pin. I just couldn't say no. That's what's
1: so fun about <laughs> it, is that you really get the sense that they actually have a lot in common.
0: My point was that she was adaptive.
1: And then, right, right. <laughs>
0: like, as soon as they have to run from the bad guys, she's like, you know, she's telling Riley, like, follow me. Exactly. We're going to run through the fish market. My bitches, and, ride like, or I'm going to jump a I counter. Love
1: that. Exactly. Um, which
0: uh, we discussed off mic earlier is a great sequence when she's hiding behind the counter. <laughs> and that lady's like, if you're not a steak, you don't belong here. And she's like, I'm hiding from my ex husband. And then she sees Shaw and she's like, Honey, you stay as long as you like.
1: <laughs> <laughs> she just immediately clocks that guy for being douchey without even having to And being to talk an ex-husband. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He just has ex-husband energy. Even
0: um, Abigail really. but Abigail is just so adaptive. She fits right. so well into the adventure narrative. And
1: that's what's fun about it. Like it it feels like she has just enough removal that it's still kind of fun like she's a little fish out of water because yeah. she's dealing with these crazy people but also the whole thing isn't about her being like like I'm a diva right. and you know like I don't I don't know what's going on like
0: it's also a little funny that in the moment that she becomes a damsel, so does Riley.
1: <laughs> <laughs> damsel in distress.
0: Yeah, because Ben Ben has the idea to split up the the you know the the what is it the map from the key. Yeah. And yeah. so Riley and Abigail to go together and they get captured together and are both like damsels together. <laughs> and it's kind of funny.
1: Yeah, it's like you have your damsel in the tower and then Riley just slides into frame like, I'm here too. <laughs> Please help. <laughs> No, but they have they have a cute little friendship also. Like, I don't know. I just really love this little trio. It just works so yeah, really no, well. Yeah, no. There's
0: Ben forging yes. the way and then like the people caught in his weight, <laughs> yeah, but they're exactly. also like along for the ride.
1: They're like yeah. they're just wearing Team Ben shirts <laughs> so they just like do whatever they have to. <laughs> no, that's why it works so well. It's like it feels like it has enough conflict but also enough camaraderie so that it doesn't feel like it's all conflict or all Friendship, yeah. you know, yeah. I, I don't know. It just works really well.
3: <laughs> I
2: love when I love when Riley gets his little moment about daylight yes. savings time. Like, <laughs> yes. good for you, buddy. Who you know, first proposed
0: daylight savings time? Benjamin Franklin. Stomps foot angrily. I love
1: how glad he is to have something that the other ones don't know. Like that is so relatable to me. Like for that's a good Everyman moment. Even when I'm talking to you guys, like if there's something I know about pop culture or something and you guys don't know it, I feel so <laughs> powerful. Like I'm like, all <laughs> well, knowledge is mine.
0: That's why it's a. Riley is a good everyman, and it's important to give him that one moment, that one little triumph over the know-it-alls.
1: Right. (laughs) But even as an everyman, he's still knowledgeable enough to, like, hold his own, like, with them. (laughs) Otherwise, he probably wouldn't be there.
2: Yeah. Like, we're saying he's the everyman, but, like, that was an elaborate spy movie heist that they had. (laughs) Yeah. Had his feet not gotten cut by the bad
0: guys, that would have been a
2: Spiritually, perfect. Spiritually,
1: he is the everyman, but in practice, he's right. actually yeah. pretty <laughs> smart. Yeah, yeah. He's
0: the tech nerd, but in every other aspect, he is the yes, every
1: exactly. Um,
0: yes. Speaking of the the Riley's little Riley's moment, that leads to one of like the great moments of like, if you're susceptible to this, of like one of those moments of ah, oh, just when Ben is like. <laughs> The last time this was here, it was being signed, and you're just like,
3: "Oh!" <laughs> and if
0: like, I don't know. It it's weird to think about like the fact that the Declaration of Independence is held in Washington D.C. in in um what's the building, Stephanie? Uh,
1: the the, the national archives. The
0: archives. It's the national. Arch- yeah. Um, or some. It's on the National Mall, and it's it's, the the declaration of independence is held in washington dc but it was signed in philadelphia so like it's this weird moment where ben says that and it just clicks for you that you're like that is weird we have this 300 year old document that lives in dc but it was signed in philadelphia but like philadelphia isn't the the capital of the entire country you know yeah so like it's 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 that wave of you know um this is history we are simply passing through history this is history Whew. you know the 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 national the, the declaration of independence is to national treasure what the ark of the covenant is yeah. to accept except you look you at know, the
1: declaration of independence
0: at you, you die you <laughs> die except um we attain <laughs> in national treasure we attain the ark you know a third of the way through the movie, yeah. <laughs> and then we just kind of run around with it, <laughs> carry the arc through Boston and Philadelphia yeah. and what have yeah. you.
1: <laughs> Justin, were you looking? You sounded like you, up. You like you were googling something. Yeah,
2: no, I, I was, I was confirming the location uh, of the Declaration,
0: so we didn't sound.
1: Stupid.
2: No, no, we've you been to were...
0: DC. I know, <laughs> I've guys? seen it in person.
1: Yeah, it's weird. I have too. When no, I was five so, years old, uh,
0: two years ago, Stephanie and I. Oh, God. Three and a half years ago now. Two and a half years. Two and a half. Because it's 2021. Jesus Christ. Uh Stephanie and I went to D.C. um, And we went to the National Archives and we saw all the famous documents. And it's weird because in the scene in the movie where they go to see the documents, it's remarkably well lit. But in real life right now, it is very poorly lit. So as to preserve the documents more because bright lighting makes them fade quicker. Um, so when we went to that room I didn't even recognize it like it's a very strange (laughs) moment where like you're like okay I know I've seen this in a movie but it doesn't feel like that scene right like it it doesn't feel right this can't be the same thing
1: yeah in the movie it's really well lit whereas when you go there in person it's so like somber and dim yeah (laughs) The
2: The museum knew the future of the country.
1: Whoop. Yeah, that's like. (laughs) When I say this movie makes me feel almost patriotic, it's like. It is kind of that similar Hamilton thing where it's like almost mythologizes the Mm -hmm. origin of the country to it. Where it doesn't even feel like the same thing that we have today. It feels like a completely separate past.
0: It's the mythologizing of it. That's, that's precisely it. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Because, like, uh, history in general um, uh, is very fascinating. Uh, but what this movie's doing is it's celebrating all of the... Uh, uh, the elementary school aspects yeah, of I'm it right. and not the whole picture um which I I'm very fascinated by history and I read upon it every now and then uh I don't think I'm gonna be a uh history channel world war two novel dad ever <laughs> I really... but I am fascinated hey man by I
0: highly recommend uh, the hardcore and... history series on world war one back to Justin sorry I had to interject
2: <laughs> there uh but movies movies like this uh are are fun fictionalized reminders of like oh yeah it is kind of cool to like learn how we got where we are but then in real life you realize that studying that is often very depressing right yeah. like
0: i it's 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 a strange intersection where people who are aware of the moment that they are in and people who are Socially conscious, I. It feels like we're we're often not proud of our country, but stuff like National Treasury and we keep going back to Hamilton. They mythologize the origins of the country while overlooking the dirty parts, but they they, they provide right. us with something that makes us feel like you know it is the foundation of our country is fairly remarkable you know and it makes us feel take pride in that you know like there there is there is a lot of stuff to frown upon there is a lot to point fingers at but there is also some stuff that is fairly unique to 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 draw upon and focus upon you know
1: well yeah like one thing about it is that for being such a world power that it is now for better or worse you know the united states of america is a relatively young country and our our history is rather recent in our minds it's rather rather present um and we know more about it maybe than a a lot of older western countries like in europe do for instance uh because it is so recent and yeah i mean it it's like the thing about this movie is that it doesn't i guess i have less of a problem with it even though i'm a leftist who's very much like yeah fuck america and everything but like also it's it's less about like america in practice and more about american concept kind of where it's like the 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 thing that's being mythologized is not so much all the shit that we ended up doing, Uh, it's more just like the concept of a country forming, you know, of a country forming under unique circumstances and declaring itself independent, which is, you know, that has happened before, obviously. But in the case of such a major country like America, which is now, for better or worse, once again, such a present player on the world stage, it is it is interesting. And, um, you know, I, I guess I love this movie so much because it's like, it kind of allows that space to be like, the, the fact of our country's founding is kind of fascinating and, and kind of you know, romantic in its own way. Yeah. Like, without having to engage with the nasty stuff that comes afterward while completely acknowledging, you know, as we do, that all that stuff was present then and is present now. Um, it's very much separate. Like, it doesn't engage with that stuff, but I feel like it almost works because it doesn't engage with that stuff because it's very isolated.
0: Right. And it is very interesting... Um, the the only part of the Declaration of Independence that this movie specifically cites is the point about overthrowing hmm. the
1: God, what are the lines? Those I'm lines looking are for so it. Great. Um...
0: Of all the words here about freedom, there's a line here that's at the heart of all the others. But to when a long train of abuses and usurpations Pursuing invariably the same object, vices a design to reduce them under absolute despotism. It is their right, it is their duty, to throw off such government and provide new guards for their future security.
1: Whew. That's good stuff.
0: People don't talk that way anymore.
1: <laughs> right, Those are that's, li- that's a line from the, the it, movie, it's, right? yeah. it's
0: a line from the Declaration of Independence.
1: Mm. and <clears throat> In the movie
2: also low key call for an uprising yeah. anyway my
1: <laughs> right, opinion no, specifically literally,
0: <laughs> literally Thomas Jefferson himself said that you know it's it, wh- in
1: the declaration of independence y- Yeah, so Whenever, whenever, we're whenever to government do it. <laughs> becomes
0: too big for its britches the people should overthrow it and establish a new one right um i did my part by calling trump a dick <laughs> thank
1: you justin this. for your activism <laughs>
3: <laughs> thank you for your service
2: i am yeah, a true yeah. patriot <laughs> <laughs>
1: Right, and it's like that's probably the extent to which this movie really engages with those uh, right. things. It doesn't. But, that's yeah. the, the
0: fact that that movie cites that line in particular is interesting because the rest of it is very America,
3: fuck yeah, Fuck yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> fuck I yeah. save
1: the motherfucking day now. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, <laughs>
0: I, I feel like I have said more about National Treasure than
1: anyone has ever said. Most
0: people would or would care to hear. <laughs> Justin yeah. and Stephanie, do you either <laughs> of you have any more points you would like to make before we move on to the comparison discussion points that we thought up? Just <laughs> No, all no. right. Let's move on to it's... part 3. I've spoken yeah, my great. piece. I
1: love it. Those are my thoughts. Okay. Let's look at our
0: notes. Oh, we have two. All right. Moving on to the comparison discussion which we've already done some of um as we as we frequently do. Um the both of these movies have uh, present the concept of the hero who wishes p- to preserve the past to both learn from it and so that future generations may appreciate it. Versus the villain who wishes to just make money off of it.
1: Mm. Yeah, it's it's greed versus, I don't know, knowledge, respect for history.
0: I honestly feel like it's not as clear in either movie as it could be. Yeah! Because like, in the first she scene wants. of Raiders of the Lost Ark, we're told and shown that Belloc only cares about making money. Right, like, Indy takes the golden idol, and then Belloc takes the idol from him, and Indy presumes that Belloc is just going to sell it in Marrakesh and make a bunch of money. But that's not really a point or a feature during the whole uh, arc Mm storyline, right? Like, Belloc is working for the Nazis, and obviously they're paying him, but, like, his ultimate goal is not to sell the arc and make a buttload of money. Um, and then with Ian, I don't even believe that Ian would just sell the entirety of the treasure on the black market for a bunch of money. Like I've said previously, if he is working with Ben, he is going to defer to Ben and they're still both going to get stupid rich, right? Like he, he's not going to, there's no way he could sell all of that on the black market. He'd have to donate some of it. You know, I,
3: well,
2: uh, that's that's something in national treasure that's not clear. Like we we understand what Belloc's motivations are from the get go. Um, Ian is a little more complex, almost yeah. to a right. fault, where if if like something would have went one percent differently, it would have just been like peaceful. Mm-hmm. Oh, they found the treasure. Maybe they did it. Blah blah blah. Or was he always going? to kill Ben and run off with the money I don't know Yes.
1: well you get the sense that once again what the movies are trying to do is get us to be like okay the good guys have respect for for history and the bad guys don't like that's the most fundamental conflict is that the good guys have this sense of perspective and of reverence Um, but the bad guys are only thinking about the here and now and what they can gain from it
0: What's interesting is I don't really get a feeling of respect and reverence from Indy so much as I do get, like, a knowledge about it right like like with the ark yes. in the very end he doesn't survive because he has reverence towards the ark and towards its power and towards the power of god he survives because he happens to have yes. knowledge about it
1: i think with indiana jones it's more about curiosity and uh, about the the search for knowledge and the uh, the search for understanding than it is about respect for history specifically um i don't know like because, once again, he is very deliberately presented as not a spiritual man and not someone who would necessarily think about those things in that kind of metaphysical way. Um, whereas, like, you know, Ben Gates is very much a, kind of an idealist and always thinks of things in those grandiose terms. And the the script specifically points that out. Whereas Indiana, Indiana Jones is very materialist, but he does have that sense of reverence for history in that he does think that it should be shared with culture. Well,
2: uh, it, it just just two thoughts here because in Indy at the end, uh, they're like, "Are you happy with your payment?" He's like, "Yeah, the money's fine, but where's mm-hmm. the arc?" Yeah. And they won't answer him, and then you can tell it's annoying him because he wants he yeah. wants to know where it's going. He wants to know if the public's gonna know about it. Like, I, so that makes it seem like he cares more than he has throughout the rest of the film. Um, but I, I I digress. I think the main line you could make between Indy and Ben is that Indy uh, is an academic, like a cold academic about it. Ben is a fan. Yes,
1: he does have fanboy energy, doesn't he? <laughs> that's, He's know, a, that's a big a Founding point. Fathers fanboy. Yeah, no, he he is. And I think the second <laughs> movie only reinforces that uh right i feel like for for ben the investment feels a lot more emotional or feels a lot more like Mm -hmm. deep down whereas for indiana jones it does feel very much like like an academic like an intellectual thing
0: right i mean ben even has the family connection to the specific treasure that he's been hunting for
1: right which is why i think of national treasure as i mentioned earlier um as kind of the natural evolution of the indiana jones story like it feels you know as (laughs) as our filmmaking has progressed we've learned how to incorporate you know theme and character development a little more (laughs) into our blockbusters well for the most part (laughs) am i right Um, but uh (laughs) so it feels kind of like taking that core element that is there in Indiana Jones like the intellectual engagement and making it into something deeply personal to the character uh, in order to raise the stakes a little more you know so that feels like feels like the natural progression (laughs) stuff
0: from Stephanie unsurprisingly
1: whatever (laughs) I'm just bullshitting I don't know Anyways, um, so, so yeah. What what else do you think?
0: Uh... Our last point. That uh. That age-old idea mm. that objects have intrinsic value.
1: If bestowed upon them mm. as such by human civilization. Of course, obviously. <laughs> when in the course of human events.
0: When in the course of human events it becomes <laughs> blah, blah, blah. Objects have intrinsic value.
1: Right. Open museums. But that's kind of something that you have to take as granted almost if you're going to engage with the study of history. Right.
0: These, If we are having treasure hunting movies in which the main characters are not trying to get rich, the concept that items have intrinsic value is necessary. Right, it's
1: inescapable.
0: Yeah.
1: Um. Mm-hmm right and that's the thing like both of the these movies try pretty hard to to make sure that you know that the main characters aren't just in it to get rich and like that's not even really entering their minds they just want it for the sake of of finding it for the sake of the knowledge that it will bestow um yeah that is kind of interesting because they do sort of revolve around these material things Things, but the material things have to be endowed with a sense of the, the not not just the supernatural, but the like the grand, the yeah important.
0: It's like you know, Belloc is thinking about how much money he could make off of a golden idol, as opposed to Benjamin Gates in standing in Independence Hall saying, you know, the last time this was here, yeah. it was being signed. It's right. that this item has value because of the history of it, because of its implications, because of what it created, because of the people who physically interacted with it, who touched it. I was saying earlier, it's like, it's the reason that like museums, well, first off, if this, these movies are almost about the, the concept that of people who believe that items have intrinsic value because of the items that they are because of their history because of the people that interacted with them um versus people who believe that items have a monetary value which is different um and you know it got me thinking like you know uh, museums if you if mankind did not have the concept of items having value beyond the monetary museums would not exist right like and, and museums frequently have, like, stuff you can interact with. Like, you know, you can't interact with most of the stuff in a museum, but they almost always will have, like, here is the specific fossil you can touch. Because, and it's worn down because people want to touch it. People want to interact with history. We really yeah, yeah. imbue it with that meaning, mm-hmm. right? Like, it's...
1: It feels, it, it feels timeless in a way. It feels as if you can reach back through centuries... and and interact with something from the past even though it it's still here in the same year as you but it feels like there's that sense of reaching back because it's
0: right it's like i can read about dinosaur bones but a little kid is gonna get so much out of being able to physically touch an actual fucking dinosaur bone like you know Uh
1: Right. And it's it's such a murky area, which feels it's interesting because it feels entirely created by human beings. Like it's not a naturally occurring phenomenon. It's a psychological thing that like um, that an object that has no intrinsic value can at the same time be imbued by with value by our human actions or the actions of those in the past which is such like a weird abstract and yet very tangible idea kind of and it's 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 symbolism i mean a piece of paper on which words are written you know um it doesn't inherently hold any power and yet when humans all kind of tacitly agree that it holds power it is then imbued with that power it's it's odd, um, and yet it's very real. And I feel like that's something that these,
3: yeah.
1: these movies do kind of explore. I mean, of course, the Ark of the Covenant actually <laughs> does have the power. Uh, the, it actually can melt <laughs> your face off, literally. Um, but even so, it, it's more about the fact... It, it's more about the ways in which humans engage with that and engage with that object which has that symbolic power. And, like, whether they respect it, whether they don't. I don't know. It's almost as, like, the villains, I guess, of these pieces, of these stories, in disrespecting the symbolic power of the object, it's like they're rejecting society. They're rejecting um, other humans, because it's humans that have imbued these objects with power. Um, And Mm -hmm. their lack of respect for humans and for human society is shown in their disrespect to these objects. Which is a little odd.
2: Because it's a way of them saying that what I want and my motivations and my financial needs, greed, whatever you want to say it is, is more important than anybody who has any sort of attachment to this thing.
1: Right. It it is the, the narcissism the the self as opposed to the collective to society to our shared history it's an odd kind of interesting way of looking at it but i think it makes sense because you know it it is just based on our mutual shared agreement to respect history and to treat it as something legitimate that it even survives at all you know without us in the present day agreeing to give importance to something that is made by people who were dead centuries ago it's only by that choice that it even still survives so it's kind of an ongoing collective agreement society is weird wow
2: i'm i'm fighting every urge not to like bring this into like comic
3: book (laughs) shop terms justin
0: and i both own comic books signed by stan lee (laughs) but they only have value because (laughs) nerds assert stanley's signature has value because he wrote those words
1: right no one can uh, can tell us that that value exists we have to collectively decide that it exists
2: me eventually owning a whole Quint 81 would mean so much more to me than the money I would get reselling <laughs> yeah. said issue. It's kind of the same That's thing, beautiful. but on a much bigger, right. more important right. scale. Right.
0: <laughs> I, yep, I, I feel you. God. The same thing goes with, uh, you know what, I'm not even going to name the, the, the comic book that I'm thinking of because I don't want to get robbed. Um.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, one of our loyal listeners...
2: I don't own a 181. Yeah. Don't come to my house if you want to send me one, however my address <laughs> Get is. A yeah. Get a P.O. box. Get a P.O. box, Justin. Yeah,
1: there you go. Better idea. Uh,
2: it's So just one last throwaway thought I had about comparing Indy and Ben. Is uh, it ever said what Ben does for money other than treasure no, hunter? Look, there's a no. reason he needs a financier.
1: Right, he, he meets rich guys, and he essentially has professional sugar daddies.
0: He is a former Navy diver with a bachelor's yeah. in American history.
1: That's true, he had some divergent degrees. Because I just... What, Justin?
0: I, I love that Ben has,
2: like, dedicated his life to this cause and would give anything... Meanwhile Indy is like a tenured professor at like a prestigious university and people come to him and they're like, Oh what? You need me to go punch Nazis and dig a hole. <laughs> All right.
1: <laughs> he, yeah, and he somehow has enough money for that. Going through it over there, Caleb. Look, <laughs> well, Indy clearly
0: gets paid for it. They discuss it. Yeah, his he does. Payment.
1: Dude, imagine getting paid to like trot around the world, punch some Nazis, dig up some shit. Uh see or i guess not see some angels um yeah screw around that that'd be pretty cool am i right um
2: so the words i want to leave our audience with is punch nazis <laughs> dig holes good night everybody and Hopefully, get
1: rich in the process yep yeah get
0: rich or die trying
1: right yeah yeah um yeah i guess any closing thoughts guys i guess we're pretty much good here aren't we Yep. Well, happy 2021 to us all. all May good. we all punch Nazis and get rich this Amen. year. Amen. Happy
0: first episode of the year to you all.
1: Yeah. Okay. So, where can we find us on social media? Oh,
0: m- uh, my name is Caleb. You can find me on Twitter and Letterboxd at actual underscore Caleb and nowhere else.
1: <laughs> my name is Stephanie. You can find me at Steph has no name on Twitter and at raise left boob on letterboxed.
2: My name's Justin. You can find me on most social media at Playman on Butler. You can find the show on Twitter at SoundsPhilMillier.
1: All right. Good
0: night, everybody.
1: We'll see you next week. Peace. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to our show. You can find us online on Twitter and Instagram at SoundsPhilMillier.com. If you'd like to get in contact with us, drop us a line at soundsfamiliar at gmail.com. We'd like to thank our friend Chelsea for our logo. Be sure to check her out on Instagram at chelseabhdesigns. We'd also like to thank Shane Quick for our theme music. If you feel so inclined, please leave us a review wherever you get your podcasts. Be sure to tune in every Tuesday for new episodes. We'll see you next time on Sounds Familiar.